Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Now can't remember, do we read the title first or do you just start with Welcome to Another Episode? No, he says Welcome to Another Episode. Okay, that's what I thought, but then I blanked out. And then he, then he says who's here and then he says this is Episode 72. One yeah. 72. <clears throat> All right. All right. That's a lot. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Andy, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. And returning to the show, Wes Menear. This hey is guys. episode 172. Okay. With Wes Menear. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to step on you there. <laughs> uh, not, not too bad, Andy. I have great timing. Nice, Can you tell? nice job. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> great timing. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, uh, yeah. Wes was on the show when we did our big Urcha announcement. A few months ago. Right. And now he's back for his own episode. Cool. Yeah. So you want to get into how everyone's week has been? Yes. Uh, uh, you want me to go? Yeah, go first. I didn't go flying at all, dude. This is going to be a hysterical spring fling because I've done no simming. I haven't done any flying in like maybe I didn't go at all last weekend. I, I'm definitely going to go this weekend, but I'm not going to push it because i don't want to break anything you know how that is yeah I'm the not. week the week before a fun fly but i did fix my generator which was a huge accomplishment for me what was wrong with it i knew you were going to ask that <laughs> i wound up changing the oil in it for the first time in like three years and it stopped okay. running oh so, yeah so i wasn't sure what the hell was wrong with it and i think i had taken it apart or drained the gas out of it once prior to uh -huh. this prior to it sitting and it's just been sitting right and couldn't get it running couldn't get it running and i finally got it running and then i took it to the field and it didn't run at all and i was i was like you got to be kidding me so this time it was a rainy weekend I, saturday i pulled the generator into the garage which on its own wasn't a great idea because it's attached to the house and i stunk up the whole house with gasoline oh yeah yeah but uh yeah, so I took it all apart. I took the coverings off it and everything. I took the bowl off the carb, and that was a little grungy. I cleaned that up and uh, put some fresh gas in it. I checked the uh, the carb, and uh, I had a little stable in there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I checked the spark plug and all that stuff. I did find that there's a kill switch on the like the run start and the choke like lever. Right. Right. That at one time when I went to turn it on the kill switch had kind of like dropped down a little bit. So it was still engaged. And I think that might've been one of the reasons okay. why it wasn't starting. Yeah. Cause I took it outside and I, or I, I had it running inside real quick. And then I took it outside and I said, let me take it outside and obviously and run it outside. And I moved that lever and I still had all the coverings off it. And I noticed that and I was like, Oh, I wonder if that was what was going on. Cause I tried, I was pulling on it and pulling it and it didn't start. And then, right. All of a sudden, I moved that thing to where it was not engaging, and I was like, okay, and started right up, and it ran. I ran it for like, oh, I probably ran it for half an hour easy. Oh, nice, dude. That's I, probably what it was doing. It was try, telling it to turn off. Yeah, well, there was there was definitely some junk in the bowl, but uh, yeah. it didn't look nearly as bad as I've seen some of the you know, lawnmowers and stuff I've had here over the years. Right. And it was funny because I have, uh, I picked up a small... Well, small, it's like, I don't know, it's like size of a uh, little filing cabinet. Not filing cabinet. Um, I don't know. It's like it's like 12 by 18 by maybe eight, 
12 high. It's a little ice maker, a little portable ice machine. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, I got it at Home Depot, and I was like, I saw it down in Florida when I was down there, and I was like, oh, I got to get one of those for, like, you know, the, the fun flies and stuff. So oh, I plugged nice. that in. I had the generator running. I was making ice for, like, at least a half an hour. It was it was making ice really quick. So it's a pretty cool. good little little thing. So you're going to provide ice for everyone at the fun fly? Not for everyone, no. You can sell it like a dollar a cup or no. something. <laughs> you know what I thought was cool, though? It's got like a little, <laughs> it's the ice forms around this, like these metallic like stubs in there. And so I guess when it's ready, it heats them up slightly to, mm-hmm. to slip them off. But they turn out being the size of like uh, a water bottle, like the, the opening. So they fit right in there. Oh, okay. So and they're like, kind of hollow. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, about an inch long. Mm. So uh, I don't know. you could just make uh, make margaritas at the field and charge fifteen dollars a margarita or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I got your ice machine. Let's make martinis and margaritas. Yep. <laughs> you sell enough of them, you can cover the parts you'll need for all the shit you crash. Well, the hell would bring in helicopters? I'll just bring my mixer and my ice maker. <laughs> there you go. Paul, and I'll just charge. Exactly. <laughs> It'd be uh, like Yankee geez. Stadium, fifteen dollars for a drink. Yeah, oy. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds good to me. So then, dude, I worked on that blue, uh, the blue faux XL, the RA Core's mm-hmm. big Delta wing thing that I got, and uh, uh, I got a million lights on it, and I had to add like a couple more. I programmed the little Arduino I was talking about last week, mm-hmm. uh, really small, like size of a quarter, to just strobe some white LEDs. So I did that, soldered it all up. I breadboarded it first, then you know soldered it up, and mm-hmm. it it worked. And I was actually I was actually very surprised that I was able to take it from the breadboard and solder it up one shot, and test you know do some continuity testing, but then go right into firing it up and it worked. And I was like, ah, first time and it worked. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So that thing's done, man. I'm I'm not were these anymore? Were these the ones you were adding on the side? For kind of for orientation, I know you talked about it, it was kind of hard to see side in. Well, I added those red tail light looking things, the LEDs, okay. the red ones, and those helped out a lot. These okay. were on the the top of the vertical stabs, sort of. They're oh, on okay. the very top, and they're just strobes. They just flash really quick. Oh, I got you. And they're three LEDs. You know the 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 twelve volt ones. You know with the three to a right. uh, to a twelve volt strip. Yeah, so it should look pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, that- I bet that thing looks good. Yeah, should look good at night. Should be a lot of fun. I can't wait till our next night fly. Yeah, sweet. So, what have you been doing? Well, I didn't think I'd have a whole lot to talk about, but I actually did a lot of RC stuff over the weekend. Nice. Uh, we got a massive amount of rain here Friday. I mean, like it, we got three inches in like twelve hours. Jeez. So I sat inside all day and worked on. Uh, Derek's T-Rex 600 Nitro that I've been staring at forever. Dude, you better. Better get that work done. I know. I know. So I got got it all rewired, took a bunch of crap off that he didn't need, and rewired all the servos and did a full setup on the fly bar head and all that. So got it ready to fly, or so I thought, and I found some bad bearings in the tail. Oh, Jesus. yeah, the tail was kind of stiff, and I got to looking, and the bearings in the the tail pitch, uh, like the arm, were bad. 
I don't know if maybe they've got a little bit of Loctite in them or what, but it was super stiff. Okay. So I, I, I started looking through it and decided just to put a whole bunch of new bearings in it because I kind of want, I want it to fly good and be reliable when it gets it back. I don't want to have any worries about it. So I ordered a big pile of bearings, ordered a bunch of bearings for my uh, nitro that I crashed as well. Let's see. What else did I do? Is that the one that almost hit the house? Yes. Okay. Yes. I wasn't going to ask about that. That's probably still sensitive. Oh, no. It's not sensitive. <laughs> it's one of those things I was annoyed, you know, for 10 minutes. And then I was kind of, like, scared for 30 minutes. Like, well, that could have really sucked. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I'm, I mean, I'm over it, like, two hours later. Yeah, that was stupid. You, you heard about that? I didn't glue my uh, the battery wire into mm-hmm. the fly barless, and it fell out. So... <laughs> I was yeah. the worst part is I was thinking after that so it really didn't get a whole lot of damage. I was kind of lucky. I got to thinking if it had been two seconds later, I would have been in a full pitch punch out because I was tuning it. Mm-hmm. And oh, I don't geez. know, <laughs> I might have never got it back. <laughs> it could have been two miles away wow. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, I, I really got lucky for the situation. Yeah, yeah. But I did order some parts uh, for it. I need a clutch liner and uh, eh, just a few various little things. Did you order some glue? Glue? What do I need glue for? To glue that receiver or battery pack in. <laughs> uh, no, I've got tons of glue. That's, oh. the, that's the stupid part. <laughs> well, I had, the, I had all the servo wires. I had tape on those, okay. you know, the 3M tape. I just didn't have the brain HD uses a separate power bus. So it uses a big wire that you hook the battery to and it goes in kind of down under the servo wires. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, so I say I never had any problems. So it's probably fine. Yeah. You, know, you never have a problem till you do. Till you do. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, got some parts for it. And then I ordered a new pipe from Carrie Shirley. Over at Gas Powered Helicopters. Cool. Could get, give him a little plug. Yeah, he nice. got in some of the M Studio pipes for the gas engines that he discovered do kind of have the highest numbers when he dyno tested all the different pipes available. So since my other one had broke, I decided to try one of those out. And uh, so I should be getting that in a few days. Damn, dyno testing, huh? Yeah, he's got a full dyno set up for these uh gas engines how do you dyno test the gas in it what do you strap it down sideways to the thing Uh, yeah well it's mounted in and then i get uh let's see how does he do it there's pictures online okay it's got a lot it's a it's a flywheel type dyno and i assume he bolts it in probably puts a pulley on the engine and with a belt maybe or it may be geared okay i'm not sure uh and then uh you know you do a full run up with this and it's hooked to your computer so you can get all kinds of horsepower torque temperature vibration like a regular dyno yeah real one okay yeah it's really cool i've been testing different engines different air filter setups different mufflers man that it just it never ceases to amaze me how much more stuff goes on in this hobby then then you realize like i never would have even thought 
Yeah, they're dino testing. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Just be it's like, cool. Yeah, whatever you he's, know, just get get the motors out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's not really releasing any horsepower numbers just because that turns into a pissing contest. But still, just comparing like one pipe to another pipe is very valuable data. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. You can see what's what's cool about it, you can see the RPM range where the stuff peaks and then starts to drop off. So you know where to gear your helicopter to get the most out of your engine, stuff like that. See, that's one of the questions that I had in my head when we were discussing another episode, like a topic for another episode. mm -hmm. That's something I still don't understand. And I still don't, I understand why it's necessary. I don't even understand how to go about what's that gearing or yeah gearing or what i'm looking for i mean i'm just flying the shit now and just trying not to put it in the dirt <laughs> yeah really yeah we could do an episode about that i mean i could answer most of your questions right now but we could save it yeah Dude. yeah because i had a couple other idiot questions i was going to ask you okay <laughs> no, that's normal <laughs> it, uh, makes it, it makes a pretty big difference though you know if you have something geared well or, yes. or not it yes you'll go, Hey, this thing flies good or this thing flies not good. And right. And I think it's almost more important. Like it's important on the electric. So you don't overheat your equipment, like your ESCs yeah. and stuff and your motors. Yeah. You want to kind of find the sweet spot, but it seems like on fuel engines, it's just that much more important. Like you, you got less horsepower. That, yeah. Yeah. You want to hit that peak power band and okay. have the yeah. engine, what they call ride the pipe. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. But looking at those graphs where it's been run on a dyno in a semi-controlled, uh, you know, circumstances right. is very, very neat. Because you put stuff in a heli, I mean, it's different air temperatures and different, you know, everything. It's really hard to get, like, hard data. But on a dyno, it's, it's pretty easy. So, cool. very neat. He's been doing that for... Uh, it's a few months now, I guess. I got that Nano S2 flying over the weekend. Nice. Blew it around a little bit. Um, it still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but it sucks way less than the previous versions. Dude, I give it that. I busted my frame in like three different places already. I've uh, I've just <laughs> I've trashed the crap out of that thing, and I just keep like. Stick yeah. shoving a battery in there, and I keep going. Yeah. Luckily, I, I haven't broke anything yet. but uh, I don't even know how it's comping for any vibrations or anything, because the whole control part of it is just hanging out of the front of it. Like the whole circuitry How does board it even fly? It. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> is this the one that has the pyro compensation? It is, the blue yeah. one. Yeah. Almost. Which I thought yeah. was pretty Im- impressive. Yeah, it's much better. You can actually do a pyro now without it shooting off some <laughs> random direction. I was doing yeah. pyro flips, dude, with it. Yeah. After a while, you got to get used to you know getting back into the collective. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. pretty cool. Yeah, I sent oh. I sent mine home with Tima for her to fly. She she loved it. You know when the battery's getting low because the tail starts kicking out on everything. I was doing tail down funnels and stuff like that, and I was having okay. a ball with it. But it is cool. it is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good to fly around your backyard, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. I thought I was going to be able to do funnels in my living room, but <laughs> eh, 
not yeah. hard. Your name's not Ethan. Yeah. I know. Well, I watched him. I was like, oh, that can't be that hard. He can do it. Right. Then I tried, and I was like, bam, into the wall. Bam, into the TV. <laughs> That's the reason I bought it, because I watched that video he put out, and I was like, oh, I got to get one of those. It looks so cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I know that. Need, That's me, too. You just need a bigger living room. Yeah. Well, there's that, and I need to be, you know, 16 <laughs> with cat-like reflexes would probably help, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I, like I said, I, Tima flew it some, and she loved it flying it around so i sent it home with her because she's got the 230s yeah and every time she breaks something she has to wait a couple days to get parts to fix it i was like well just take this and fly it in the meantime so she'll have a lot of fun with it yeah definitely uh i did get a couple hours monday morning before i started working and got out and flew some and i started uh doing some practicing the sportsman sequence for uh, Monty's event down in North Carolina in June, and try to make that. What the hell is that? <laughs> Holy shit balls! I suck. It makes hovering hard, doesn't it? Well, the hovering's not too terrible, mm. but my rolls barrel, my loops look like eggs. Mm. Uh, okay. My <laughs> my stall turns are decent. My procedure turns are meh, okay. You know, okay. I only go up and down, maybe 10 feet. That's a like yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's recognizable. But I didn't realize how bad my rolls had gotten. Because last year, I was doing pretty good axial rolls. This year, mm-hmm. it's freaking barrel roll mm-hmm. every time. So, I'm just, I know I'm cross-feeding an elevator. but So, I just got to get practice. Yeah. So, this is uh, compared to airplane flying uh what do they call it uh pattern pattern yes yeah yeah so yeah. It's, yeah it's it's what do they call it wes it's not really f3c because it's not yeah, so it's an f3 it's an f3c or fai style flying with the style. A, with the ama classes so you're okay. doing ama classes yeah yeah okay. you're competing in the ama classes which are a lower level mm-hmm. and it's it's still hard don't get me wrong but um the the schedules that we fly in the FAI stuff are significantly harder. Let me tell you, this is oh, my yeah. first year going up to the P schedule and it is, uh, I'm like trying to do the maneuvers without any of the pirouettes in them just to learn how to fly them well yeah. and then add the pirouettes to it. And it's, the hovering is hard. The upstairs stuff I can do okay with the aerobatics. But mm-hmm. So it's like F3C sharp yeah. or <laughs> C flat. Yeah. C flat. flat. <laughs> Okay. I like it. It's, it's, I tell people, like I did a little bit, I was going to compete last year and then stuff came up and I wasn't able to go. So I really haven't done any practice since then. But I tell people it's deceptively difficult. Like it looks yes. easy. It's like, oh, you just got to yeah. hover and yeah. hover, do a triangle or an M or whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's way more difficult to actually make it look good. Like, yeah. You know, you go out and fly and you you start a loop and you come down, like I say, it's egg-shaped or right. the bottom of the loop's 30 feet further away than when you started. Just all kinds of weird crap like that. Yeah, I remember yeah. We were talking about it last year. Yeah, when you actually try to make things clean and hold the line and compensate yeah. for the end, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult. That's really why uh, I, I enjoyed pattern flying. 
mm-hmm. uh, when we were doing it. Uh, it was, yeah, I can fly a plane, but it was, it was really, uh, there were more, there was more to it, you know, it was really competitive. Right. Well, it's more than just boring holes in the sky, as they call it. You gotta yeah. actually yeah. fly, fly for a purpose. The yeah. procedure turn usually and the hovering for the, uh, the sportsman class, those are the two maneuvers or three maneuvers, I guess. Uh, I can't remember how many hoverings they have, but uh, those, the procedure turn and the hovering are usually where most of the sportsmen lose their points. Okay. Usually the roll, the loop, and the stall turn, most people get down pretty good. And then you'll lose the most points, I think, in the procedure turn and in the hovering. Okay. Um, so, but yeah. uh, that's what I'm going to practice most then. <laughs> <laughs> I will be in Huntsville, and there will be plenty of people to help you if you want to try some in Huntsville. Yeah, so. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I would love to. Oh, come on. I know. I might. The weather's looking pretty good. I know. That's the problem. I'm a farmer, <sighs> so I got to. <laughs> it's still wet out there. You don't have time to go out there. I, it's wet up here. You're wet. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to rain on thursday yeah that is true but anyway uh wes why don't you tell us yeah. kind of what you've been up to the last week or so well i've been helping a friend with a t-rex 700 dominator maybe i think it is it's a uh, got the uh dfc arms on it and all that stuff yeah. still so uh getting him a 750 put on there a cgy from a. um Oh, I can't remember what brand he had on there. But anyway, so we've been getting that worked out for him. And then mm-hmm. uh, I did a little cleaning and cleaning up of my Diablos for Huntsville. I don't want to fly them too much before I go to Huntsville. Or, right. You know, that there's that golden rule. You don't fly it before yep. an event. No flying um, the week before. <laughs> no flying the week before. But I've got everything cleaned up and you know ready to be charged for the event. So I'm nice. excited for that. And then uh, just trying to get my... F3C stuff all well and good as well for the summer as well. So mm-hmm. that and, and work. And then, like you said, it's been raining so much. It's kind of been hard to yeah definitely. hard to do anything. And it's not like typical summer rain where it rains for two hours and you go, okay, that's over. I mean, it just rains and it just keeps raining. Yeah. It's like yeah, Forrest like, Gump. Rain from the left. Rains from the right. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So pretty bad yeah i'm in i'm in farm country as well so i mm-hmm. i hear you uh you want to move on to the main topic sure let's do it uh let's get to know wes a little better um where are you located Wes? i live in jonesboro arkansas right now so i grew okay. up out in southern california and uh moved to jonesboro arkansas for the same reason everybody else moves to jonesboro for a girl so okay <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good reason to move. Pretty good reason, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So how long have you been in the hobby? Ooh, that's a good question. So I started flying models with my dad, and I would say he started flying RC, flew control line first, and then got into the RC stuff. And I think I remember going to the field and us doing it together in about 88 or 89 mm-hmm. or so. So that was... When I started, if you want to do that embarrassing math. Yeah, 30 years ago. Yeah, so I'm 34, so turn 35 next month. Yeah. Wow. You've been doing it your whole life almost. My whole life, yeah. Wow. The hobby's been an amazing thing for me. It it was 
what got me into flying full scale and it kept me out of trouble in high school. You know, all my friends were going off to go do terrible things that, you know, high school kids do. And I'm like, I'm going to the flying field tomorrow. See you later. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. You hear that parents get your kids exactly. in RC and they won't be able to get in trouble. Yeah. They won't have time or money. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I, cool. my, I had an alternate, uh, point of view on that subject. <laughs> there was only one man I was ever scared of, and that was my old man. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, that was that was what kept me out of trouble. Yeah, well, that worked, that's kind of how I that worked for me as well. That and his colorful yeah. description of what would happen to me if I got caught by the police doing anything. I I can remember being a teenager, and uh, like the end of the day, Dad pull his belt off, and the sound <laughs> of the belt going through the belt loops would still send a shiver up my neck. It's like, Oof. yeah, yep. Yeah. First day out of trouble. <laughs> Southern California was a little different back then when I was growing up. There was, you know, everyone was all child abuse and everything like that out there. So there was no yeah. whoopings to be had. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have that in North Carolina. No. Nope. <laughs> child abuse? You did. You just didn't know about it. No, we didn't have anybody <laughs> worried about child abuse. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, cool. So I guess that's... Uh, Got you interested in the hobby? Yeah. Dad? Yeah. Absolutely. Fans? Yep. Yep. Nice. Cool. Well, do you, uh, we know you fly helis. Yep. Uh, do you also fly planks or multi rotors? I do not really dabble much in multi rotors. I've got a little DJI Phantom 3, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's just more of a purpose built, you know, go do sure. aerial photography for people. I've got a 107 license. And so, <laughs> Um, I'll go do that on occasion, but, uh, mostly helicopters and then, uh, and then airplanes as well. That's kind of been my distraction, if you will, my right. whole, uh, RC career, if you will, was focused on helicopters. And then I'd, you know, get some kind of airplane or something, get into that for a little while. And then, all right, I'm bored with that back to helicopters, you know, back right. to business and then right. just back and forth between, uh, between the different, uh, the different models. So. Uh-huh. I think that's healthy, really, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, Absolutely. it keeps you keeps you a little bit on the sane side and in the hobby and everything. So, right. Um, but, I, you know, I've done jets, I've done gliders, sailplanes, DLGs, um, iMac. I did iMac for quite a while. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that was my next question is kind of what, what type of planes because yeah. I've, I've kind of do more – been more interested in the like 3d type airplanes but i also have a couple dlgs and uh you know various stuff like that sailplane i did the imac stuff and did uh i had a a cardin extra 300 with uh da 170 in it the full 126 inch one and everything so that that's where you get started with the trailer you know right Right. (laughs) um and then it just kind of continues to spiral from there unfortunately mm-hmm. i actually i got a little frustrated with that and went out and uh quit sold all my imac planes and went and bought a full-scale aerobatic airplane after i sold my imac airplanes so oh nice what is yeah what'd you get uh pits s2e oh, wow it was a uh, orange pits and so uh it was a two-seater and uh I flew competitive aerobatics up until about a year and a half ago. I had so I got that 
two seater and then and I uh, sold that and got a single seat pits. Uh, everybody says, you think you got all these friends that want to go for a ride when you've got a pits, you know, Oh, everybody's going to want to go. Well, uh-huh. guess what? You take them for a ride once and you know, you put their stomach <laughs> coming out their tailbone and all of a sudden <laughs> nobody wants a ride anymore. You know, oh, dude, I'd take a ride in a second. Awesome. I understand. And I, I do it, but you know, we go fly for six, eight, 10 minutes and you're like, all right, that was great. Let's go. I'm done. Yeah, Good yeah, throw. <laughs> and so, uh, I'm like, well, I mean, it takes 20 minutes to get strapped in this thing and we flew for five minutes and you're right. done, you know? Right. So. That's the biplane, right? Yep. It's a biplane, yes, sir. So. And it, now those pits, I've, I've heard those are difficult to fly. Is that true? Yeah, or it- it, it's probably, I don't want to say the most difficult, but if you were to go on a scale of one to 10 of airplanes, the top 10, top hardest 10 airplanes to fly in the world, I think a pits would be in the top 10. Um, it, it's super easy to fly like in flight. It's just mm-hmm. the landing that's, uh, that's a little bit challenging. And so, oh, okay. um, they're a little, they're a little squirrely on the ground. And so, okay. um, but Curtis Pitts, his saying is there's no such thing as a squirrely airplane, just a squirrely pilot. And so, um, <laughs> it's a very true statement. As long as you don't piss it off and, you know, get it into a, a bad oscillation, it's pretty easy to fly. But the second that you give it something it doesn't want, it's fights on. So, okay. Steady hand. Is yours an open cockpit for both seats or? Uh, mine were both, uh, closed man? cockpit. Yeah. Okay. I, I've got friends with open cockpit airplanes and then the um, time of useful, of the airplane with weather conditions you're pretty limited for where i live at you oh, know okay. um yeah. you yeah. can't i mean maybe a little bit in the fall in the spring but um in the summer but you know winter is just off limits with no canopy so with a canopy though i could put a warm jacket on you know close right. all the vents and be mm-hmm. comfortable for 30 minutes much more than 30 minutes and it's pretty cold and then it only holds an hour of fuel so um, you take off and you're kind of, well, I should say it take, holds about an hour and 30 minutes of fuel. So in an hour, you better be finding a place to land. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That is very interesting. Yep. And so, uh, I just didn't have time to keep it up and keep flying it as much as I wanted to. It was probably two hours of work on it for every hour I flew it. You know, yeah. just in cleaning and in just keeping up with it and everything. And I just got tired of doing all that. Maybe someday when I win the lottery, I'll get like an extra or something like that. A little more, mm-hmm. um, a little less time consuming to own. So, okay. So did you yeah. sell, you said you bought a single seater. Did you, did you end yeah. up selling it too? Or? Yep. I, so I, both my airplanes, I'm, I don't know. Not ashamed to say it, but I had this opportunity to sell it and get to make money on it. And I'm a really big fan of buy high, sell low. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of like, hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> there, I'm on the version of Heli Freak called Barnstormers for Airplanes. And I'm like, uh-huh. well, uh, you know, all, there's nothing for sale that's even close to what I would take for mine. So let me just see what happens if I go list it on there, you know, and uh-huh. get to get to make a little bit on it. And so both my airplanes I've owned, I've gotten to go and make money on. So I just consider myself 
super blessed to not. Yeah, that's pretty you know. good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, from what I, I've never owned an airplane, but from what yeah. I hear, they can, it's pretty hard to make money. Trying, yeah. And know. I wasn't, I'm not trying to make money here, but you know, but I mean, even come out even really. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like I said, big fan, buy high, sell low. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you do for a living? Yes, yeah. If you don't mind so, yeah. So I work in Memphis and, uh, I, uh, teach in a Boeing 757 and 767 simulator for FedEx. So I teach FedEx pilots how to fly FedEx airplanes. And so, wow. um, yeah, it's a awesome job. I really enjoy getting to do it. Um, I also teach, uh, uh, just in addition to the basic flying, uh, uh, upset prevention and recovery training, um, just with my aerobatic background. And then um, I got to watch two pilots stall uh, an airplane at 41,000 feet in a jet from the jump seat. And so um, after that, I uh, decided I didn't want to <laughs> be a part of something like that again. And so uh, I got to be a part of the upset program at FedEx. And So you're uh, talking about? Yeah. You're not talking about the pilot that just had a bad day and he spilled his coffee. He's upset. No, no. This is a little <laughs> more serious of an upset. Like, oh, okay, I got know. you. Yeah. So uh, the FAA ma- mandated the training uh, to be completed by all crew members. So it's mostly just regulatory training after the accident in um, the Colgan crash up there in New York. Okay. That's so, where it all kind of stemmed from. Go ahead. Uh, what was the, uh, what was that like? Uh, you said you were at 41,000 feet and they stalled the plane? Yeah, so we were at 41,000 feet. We took off out of Phoenix in a CRJ 900. I'm going to decline to say who the airline was that that was on. And so, uh, but we took off out of Phoenix, headed to Memphis. It was not, definitely not a FedEx plane, though. And so um, we're, we're flying along and um, we started dodging some thunderstorms at 41,000 feet, right? And so, <laughs> Uh, a thunderstorm is warm air that rises, warm, moist air that rises up, right? And so when you get next to that thunderstorm and you don't want to fly into it, so you're going around it, well, the air around you um, is also going to start to become warmer because that thunderstorm is pushing warm air up into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so the temperature comes up at altitude. And so um, our basically our density altitude, if you guys are familiar with that, mm-hmm. went up when we were already at 41,000 feet. So now the airplane was no longer had enough wing or enough thrust to maintain altitude. And so the airplane just slowed down ever so slowly until uh, we got to the point where um, we stalled. And so, yeah. Wow. Hey. It was a crazy day. I'm assuming it didn't like wing over and spiral. No, down, no. But, uh, uh, it's got a, it's got the airplane has a pretty advanced, uh, stall protection system in it where, uh, it, the flight controls start vibrating with what's called a stick shaker. Mm-hmm. And so, um, then the captain took the controls, put in an incorrect input and, uh, the next level of stall protection took over, which is a stick pusher and it pushes the control yoke forward. And, uh, then downward we came from <laughs> from forty one thousand feet. Eighty six people in the back. Nobody had any idea it happened. Really? So, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it wasn't a, like an extreme dive. It's just a slow. Yeah. No, you're maybe um, eight five eight 
maybe 10 degrees uh, pitch down. So yeah. if you were in the back of the airplane, you might be like, well, it feels like we're descending kind of fast, but we're at 41,000 feet. Right. So yeah, you know, you don't feel it in your ears or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a little vibration, like a little bit of light turbulence um, just at altitude, nothing that's going to be too disconcerting. So mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. So we'll just say they got in a little bit of trouble for that so um i had tried to ask if it was a good idea for us to be doing this or not and the captain was not really interested in my opinion at the time so uh, yeah okay <laughs> yeah exactly Jeez. so then we get a company memo that comes out and says hey nobody can go over thirty-seven thousand feet you know so yeah yeah dang yeah so it you know i mean you do this job long enough, you might not get to see something like that, but I guarantee you, every one of us has a bag of stories that are, you know, equally as odd, strange, and, you know, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, maybe not due to a bad decision, but just, you know, things happen in airplanes. And so um, right. that's why you, if you say own your own airplane, you get someone very qualified to fly your airplane rather than just, you know, the cheapest guy you can find. Hopefully yeah, you'll get somebody sure. with some experience and able to, you know, not do what I do for you every day, but to be able to do what I can do for you when, you know, it hits the fan. So mm-hmm. when it's needed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. When, you, when you do the training, it, you, are you just going through different scenarios like that and kind of yeah, training so we have what, like a what to do on, if it happens? A, yeah, we have full-on training syllabuses where it spells out everything we do. Um, you, you sit and talk about it for about two hours before we get into the device, and then we get into the uh, simulator and go fly for usually about four hours. And uh, uh, it's four hours of just, you know, getting a workout the whole time, you know. So we do engine failures right at uh, takeoff rotation speed and – you know, you have to put in enough rudder in order to counteract the asymmet- uh, asymmetric mm-hmm. thrust. Right. And you don't, that's your leg day for the day. You don't want to have been <laughs> gone to the gym last night and done right. legs real hard and then show up for V1 cuts. And it's, uh, it's a little bit challenging. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. It is fascinating. It, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I get to, meet and be around a lot of interesting people from all kinds of diverse backgrounds. FedEx hires a lot of people from the military. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I get to work with some of the best pilots I think that are, there are in the world. And so I'm proud to say that I get to do that and work with those guys and uh, make them better and uh, show them the FedEx way of how we fly the airplane. So, yeah. Yeah. How did you, uh, were you a, airline pilot or anything for a while? How did you get into the training side of of stuff? Okay. Well, so most people um, that are of my vintage, maybe, you Mm -hmm. know, everybody kind of enters the uh, workforce at a different time. And so I was uh, learning to fly in 2001 and uh, 9-11 happened, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I was in high school getting my private Mm -hmm. 9-11 happened. And that was, that was that, you know, so uh, basically from then until about 2008, things were not going the best for our country. And then they continued to get worse from 08, you know, and, uh, then in 2010 I got furloughed. And so, um, I, but I was an airline pilot from 2006 to 2010. 
got mm-hmm. furloughed in 2010. And then I went to go work for some private corporations flying corporate jets. So I flew corporate jets from 2010 to 2016. And then uh, started at FedEx in 2016. So, uh, But I early on in my career, I did uh, flight instruction, teaching people to fly. That's typically the first job you start off with mm-hmm. in aviation. And so um, I just kind of developed a passion for it. And uh, a lot of people do it just to get the experience and build time rather than to actually try and do a good job at it sometimes. And right. I'm kind of like a, an obsessive compulsive person when it comes to figuring out how to do a good job for people. And so I tried to understand and learn how people learn and understand how I learn because I feel like I'm the most hard-headed person in the world when it comes to learning. I don't just read something and once, okay, got that, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, um, uh, it's, it's a real thing for me. So I, uh, I do my best to, to be the best and help other people. So, yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah. I've, Someday I'm going to get my private. I'd, Absolutely. I've always wanted to, but then <laughs> I, I wasn't able when I was young because the nearest airport was like a mile away and we were in the, I mean, a, an hour away. An hour away. Yeah. So it wasn't super practical. And then being in the dairy business, I stayed busy a lot. But, yeah. and then, you know, married, kids, the whole thing. So, yeah. Maybe it's, some someday here in the next 10, 20 years, I'll probably get around to doing yeah. it. It's pretty expensive to do, you know, yeah. and so I yeah. try and tell people, you know, hey, listen, if you want to do it, you know, please do it. But understand what kind of a commitment, financial commitment it takes to do. It takes to maintain your your level of currency and, and what your plan is to use an airplane for. You know, if you want right. to just go ride with, you know, there's lots of people out there that have airplanes that uh, want to go places, but they're too frugal to put the gas in it to go somewhere. And I guarantee you, if you can get a hold of them and say, Hey, I'll spend $75 for us to go fly somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and have lunch or something, they'd be all about it. So yeah, that's yeah. true. A lot cheaper than learning to fly. <laughs> yeah. I did. Uh, I did an hour in the air, hour on the ground, hour in the air type of thing. Uh, my wife got cool. it for me for Christmas a couple of years back. And I sat down and I said to the guy, listen, I fly RC stuff, but you know, I'm not going to think I know everything or anything. You tell me I'll, I'm like a sponge. And I had a great yeah. time. I really enjoyed the whole thing. It was very, I found it very relaxing. And, and uh, you know, he did some crazy stuff at the beginning. And I was like, <laughs> you know, that this is, uh, this is, you know, you, what you, what you get when you go up into a, you know, the small plane. It's not, it's not like a big jet and the characteristics yeah. are different. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I, I really enjoyed it. I had, a, I had a good time. But exactly like you said, you know, I, I neither have the time or the money uh, to pursue it any further at this point. Yeah. And, and got- I, I, as teaching people to fly, there's nothing more discouraging for me than for you to go and invest four or $5,000 in learning to fly and then not do it. You know, I mean, right. I feel bad. You know, you're like, well, you know, I got nothing for that except for I had a little fun, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, realistically, I mean, it's expensive, but I was talking oh, yes. with a girlfriend. I was like, ah, I could probably 10000 I could probably get it. And yeah, that's, that's that, is, that is exactly the number I tell somebody. So and uh, well, I, she's, I, well, here's what she told me. She's like, well, you've spent more than that on RC shit in the last four years, so yeah. I wouldn't be too worried about it. It's yeah. like, oh, damn, you're right. 
<laughs> you get into uh, these yeah. big helicopters and giant scale airplanes, it, it gets expensive. Steve's not here. We can just pick on him and get him to pay for all yours, you know? That's a good idea. <laughs> Since he's Mr. New Model, right? So, yeah. No, not this year. <laughs> not this year. This year, That's for some reason, hearing. yeah, it's it stopped and uh, I don't know. I, I, I think he's uh I think he's missing it actually. Okay. He's just not buying anything now to he's just doing it to prove us wrong, I think. Battery's so. just not telling you about it. No. No, he no. can't buy it, don't tell us. No. That's true yeah. too. <laughs> we give him such a hard time that he's not gonna buy anything just out of spot because of me mm. and Kevin. <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say that there will be more than a Kraken bought this year. I've listened to the podcast and I think uh-huh. he'll have more than a Kraken, but we'll see. Yeah, you're probably right, but you know. <laughs> um, so I, that's what you're saying, though, is exactly what I tell people. If I tell you it's going to cost you $10,000 to learn to fly and you're okay with that, then cool, this is for you, mm-hmm. you know? But if I tell you that and you're like, well, man, I've only got $300. Yeah. This is probably probably not the yeah. right yeah. Uh, aspiration for exactly. you, you know. So, um, could you do it? Yeah, but man, it's going to take a lot of dedication. Right. Know? Well, so. when I was younger, I had the money, but I didn't have the time. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. Just, it, you know. Well, and I think when and, we were younger, I think it was wasn't as expensive either. No, it would have been what? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know that's exactly why you know i've gotten more involved in the hobby now as i have because i have more time you know when i was flying at the regionals i was working you know 21 to 25 days a month you Mm -hmm. know on the road gone all the time and Mm -hmm. i didn't get to spend time with my family i wasn't getting to do the things i wanted to go do but i was putting in the time and the sacrifice in order to maybe make it to where i'm at today so right so wes i gotta ask this question it's been driving me crazy shoot it in the movies, they show people that can get in that pilot seat and they can talk them down and land the plane. Is that even possible? Yeah. Or like no? in an airliner, maybe? Yeah. Uh, maybe in some airliners, you know. Uh, I think it's very possible. Okay. Um, you know, like, for example, a Boeing or an Airbus, you go and you get it all set up. They tell you what buttons to push. You get it all in there, and it will land itself. Um, it's got an auto brake selection. It will stop itself. It will do everything all the way to a stop on the runway. Really? Right? Oh, wow. So, yeah. I didn't so, know that. Wow. Yeah. Um, we're able to land with extremely low visibility where you're not even able to see when the airplane touches down and then the airplane lands itself and brings itself to a stop. So now that leads to another question that I have that I've heard a rumor of, uh, yeah. Are the planes soon going to be flying themselves, like from takeoff to landing? Or? You know, I mean, everyone has that fear and, you know, kind of anxiety in the industry. I think that that's a potential thing that's coming, right? But um, just I, I would relate it the same thing as I would to you guys with how we see the quads and all that kind of stuff in the hobby and the package delivery service, right? Yeah. I mean, um, we all see the threats of what it takes to fly a model. And then, so you're going to tell me you're going to bring this box to my house, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not saying not, that the um, planes would be without a pilot or anybody there. I just, okay. 
we're already at a super high level of automation, right? So we've got all this technology that's built into the airplanes to do all kinds of really unique and uh, uh, creative things that, that we do with the transport category airplanes. But, um, you know, the next level of taking the pilot out is really going to go and be a hard thing to, to do. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, there's just too many, um, I don't know. We're, we're pushing the age limits. Uh, we've pushed the age limit to 65, uh, with the FAA, uh, ICAO, which is the international agency, uh, that governs a lot of the other airlines. Uh, they're at 70 already and we're at 65. So, okay. um, are we going to go to 70? I don't know, but you know, with pushing people that far in the flight deck, I don't know if that's a, Hey, let's also put one person up there, you know? Yeah. Um, cause you know, it's all good. 99% of the time, two people are up there doing it. Your job is easy. Life is good. You know, sit back and enjoy. Right. But it's the, that other 1% of the time that you're, you're earning your Wheaties today, you know, you're, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're using them, you know? So, um, some days are a little harder than others, but most of the time the, the work is pretty easy. So at least in my opinion. Yeah. And I'll always yeah. wonder about that, like a, a malfunction or a failure yeah. or something. Yeah. It'd be hard and to get away from not having a butt in the seat that can make some decisions. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, we, we have like a, a, a reference material, a book, a, a handbook that tells us, hey, if this light comes on, here's right. the procedure we want you to perform, you know? And so in the, the airplanes I fly, that's how we do it. Some of the other airplanes the airline has, uh, when the light comes on, it automatically brings that uh, checklist up on a screen for you, you know, and you mm -hmm. go through it on the screen, you know, so uh, you don't even have to get the book out. <laughs> you know, so there's those next level of automations that are just mm -hmm. making things maybe a little bit, I don't know, better, easier, but I, you know, yeah, I don't know if that makes it that much easier. So, yeah. Is there a, is there a, a shortage of pilots? Is why the age keeps getting pushed up or is it just, you know, that's are, a, are still competent and fully capable. And so we let them, go or what's you know that's a that's an excellent question i really don't uh have a great answer for you uh every everyone has an opinion on this and there is no right answer you know um what for whatever you know you do for farming and people talk about organic food and they're so sure that their organic food is grown with you know Mm -hmm. tulips surrounding it and it's this beautiful scene or whatever for their <laughs> yeah. organic you know what i mean for their organic oh yeah food. oh yeah <laughs> and that's not really how this works and so um i think it's kind of a similar thing here there's no organization to be able to say oh this is you know the supporting data for this if mm -hmm. if you know somebody can make a, a plausible reason to push the pilot age to 70 uh and somebody wants to i think that you know, if they can lobby Congress and get that to pass, then they can pass it, you know, but it's not something that somebody just wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to sign this into law today, you know, 
And but, I mean, so, it's not um, it's not an issue where we, you can't find enough people to do the job. It's just yeah. Well, there's definitely a shortage out there. There's no question that okay. uh, there's a shortage of of pilots. But the shortage kind of exists in a niche market, right? So mm-hmm. it's not so much with the legacy carriers of you know Delta, United, or American. They've got a list of people wanting to get hired there, but. Right. Um, it more exists in the regional markets, which are the smaller 50 to 80 seat uh, passenger airplanes that are flown by subcontractors for the mainline carriers. And so those are the jobs that are a little bit more vacant. And right. uh, the reason they're vacant is due to the pay. There's no question. Uh, yeah. They pay significantly less than. So my first job at a 121 carrier airliner, I was uh, a captain on a turboprop. Is where I started out, and my first officer at the time in 2000, I think this was like 07 maybe, was making $19,000 a year. Oh, wow. You know, in 07. Yeah, wow. so, I mean. That's just a shame. I mean, that's disgraceful, yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> and you can. insulting in a way. Yeah, exactly. It is, it is. And so, uh, you know, when you go and you look at, uh, the responsibility that that person's taking on. Yeah, you look at exactly. what that lifestyle's like. The hours right? so that they put the in to hours. get to there. Uh-huh. Well, not even that. We'll just we'll just write that off as a wash. So your training and all that stuff that you just had that. But just the point of you showing up to work, having to probably eat lunch and maybe even dinner in an airline terminal, stay in a hotel, eat out, all that stuff adds up. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so um, it's kind of a single man's game, if you will, you, you know, it'd be really hard to support a family and in this age with those kind of wages. Um, the wages have definitely come up since then, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they're, they're just not where uh, they need to be probably still yet to be competitive to, yeah. to get everybody where they want to be. So I don't understand the whole industry, especially with some of these discount airlines, because you can fly from, Asheville to Vegas for a few hundred dollars a person. Yeah. I don't even know how they buy the fuel. <laughs> it kind of yeah. makes me a little uh, wary of, of flying these airlines. That are like, yeah. That. Well, I've got a bachelor's degree that I got in in an aviation program uh, at Orem, Utah, uh, at Utah Valley University, and you know that's one of the things that we learned about in their program was the management side of the industry, and so. Um, watching how the airlines are able to go and sell a ticket to you for $58 and, and go and advertise that. Um, you remember that, right? You remember the name of the airline. You remember who that was. So the next time you need to go somewhere, you're going to go, Hey, let's go to, you know, wherever you're going, you know, Vegas for the fun fly. Well, remember they had that deal of, you know, 58 bucks. Let's go see how much it is. Well, it's not $58 this time. It's, $240, you know, so, um, or if it is $58, you're leaving at four o'clock in the morning and you're going through Houston, Chicago O'Hare and, (laughs) oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) so sometimes it's more painful as well. So, but, well, and I think as time moves on towards your, your date of departure, like if you purchase that ticket months in advance, you get $58, but I, I know that they, they've, through work that uh, some of the things I've experienced is, you know, when I have to get a ticket within a week's time, that same price that might've been $250 months ago is now a thousand dollars, you know, for a ticket. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. That so then that plays a big factor in it. Yep. Yep. You're right. I've always wanted to ask this, Uh-oh. Wes, as okay. someone in full scale aviation and, yeah. you know, at the higher levels as yourself. Yeah. Sure. What do you think about the FAA rules concerning the hobby and how much of a threat do you think the model aircraft actually pose? Well, airspace. I, I don't kind think of a that loaded I don't but. I understand. I don't think that our models really pose a threat to the national airspace system. You know, I think that the, the system that we have in place is probably pretty secure and you know, we all kind of fly with some level of responsibility, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, if we can just say pre quadcopters and all the craziness of that. Right. Right. But right. Uh, then if you look at the FAA wanting to impose more regulation on stuff, um, I don't know. I, I see where they're coming from, but I don't know that they really know where they're going. It's kind mm-hmm. of, uh, you know. It, my opinion only is it might be a little bit of a witch hunt coming after the modelers, you know, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I don't really think their intention is to come after the modelers. They're just, you know, when millions of people wake up in the morning and watch a quadcopter flying around a frontier lines, Airbus coming into Vegas, mm-hmm. you know, over the top of it, pretty close. Mm-hmm. They have to do something, right? I mean, they yeah. can't just let that behavior go on. And then when something happens and the news says, we told you so, FAA, well, now the FAA's got a problem, you know? And so they don't want to be in that position either. So right. um, I don't know. I, I, it's such a delicate line of too much regulation and not enough, I think, that uh, I don't really, I don't know. I, I'm not really a doom and gloomer like maybe dare I say Dan was Reed, you know, <laughs> he, he's, you know, it's all coming to an end. They're shutting the internet down. You know, uh, I, I don't think there's that level of, um, negativity towards the FAA and, and how all that stuff works. I've got quite a few friends that work with the, that work at the FAA. I've got people I work with at my work that work at the FAA and, you know, how could you go and provide enforcement action is maybe one of my questions for how all this works. Right. So mm-hmm. if the FAA goes and says, here's like, uh, for example, um, I'm just going to try and come up with a, a regulation here. So you can't go and drop something from an airplane that creates a hazard to another person. Right. Right. Well, if you go and you do that, Joe, local policeman can't come a unless you hurt somebody, obviously doesn't come and arrest you for the violation of that law. Mm -hmm. Right. So the FAA comes after you for the violation of that regulatory, uh, uh, statute that you broke, but, um, they go through it. And if they need, you know, it comes to the point where an arrest is going to be made for negligence. They're going to, um, take enforcement action through their own channels, which is not through your local PD. Right. Okay. And so I really have a hard time believing that any of this new regulatory stuff, you're going to see enforcement action that empowers local police departments. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that being a way. It's not how they've done things in the past. And I don't, you know, I don't see them doing that in the future. You know, um, uh, if you look at something like marijuana, right? Marijuana is illegal in uh, the United States, right? The DEA says marijuana is illegal, but states make it legal, 
you know? So how does that work? Right? Well, it's similar to this, you know, uh, technically a city or state cannot go and put a law in place that makes a federal regulation like, you know, that goes against a federal regulation, right? Like, uh, uh, I I don't know how y'all get away with it in New York, but you do, you don't have the right to bear arms, right? In New York city. That's something that they have figured out and how that works. Uh, Like I said, I still don't, don't know, um, really how you can make a federal regulation and then go and make a state regulation and say, well, we're going to change the rules on that for something like that. And it's the same thing with aviation. There's a lot of people out there that own full scale helicopters and, uh, an HOA will say, you know, in this big fancy subdivision, you can't land your helicopter in the backyard of your house, right? Well, that's fine and dandy because, uh, you can try and take enforcement action against them. And then when, you know, what are they going to do? So they go to the FAA and say, hey, we have a law in place that uh, says you can't law- land your helicopter in your backyard at this HOA, in, in our HOA. Well, the FAA just says, thanks for calling, but that's not something that you can go and control. And so one of my friends lands his helicopter in his backyard. His HOA had a problem with it. The HOA went to the FAA. The, the <laughs> the FAA gave the our HOA the wave and said, sorry, guys, he's not doing anything illegal. Call us when he is, you know. Yeah. Really? And, wow. yeah. And so he lands his personal helicopter on the golf course or like flies over the top of the golf course and lands his, you know, big helicopter in his backyard. And, you know, I mean, when you land your helicopter in your backyard, you know, everybody, you know, hears it, sees it. And right. Right. They think it's a bothersome. Well, you know you can't go and come up with a law that says that you can't do that. So that's where, that's where I go and go. We need to have some level of realism and expectation for what the FAA is going to go and do to us. And then what local state and uh, city officials can go and come up with to, to regulate us. Cause I really don't think they have as much power as they do. So, you know, being under FAA regulation, I don't really think is a bad thing maybe because it stops the cities and states from deciding they want to regulate us, you know? Well, Wes, you brought up the, the airplane that was on approach to Vegas and the guy flying his quadcopter yeah. over that. Yeah. My, my whole point of view on that is, you know, he should, we should know his name. He, they should have made an example of this guy to kind of ward off other people from doing something silly like that. I agree. But we never hear the, we, we never hear the outcome. Yeah, we never hear whether he was caught. We don't know whether they they charged him with anything. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, he, and you know, he obviously I don't know had an account he... to post it online, so there must have exactly. been something somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do know that you know the FAA does go and watch some social media stuff, I believe, and they see things happen, and you know when. I don't know. Somebody does something irresponsible, they can go and go, hmm, we might investigate a little bit here. Like you said, it's tied to your social media account. It's tied to your whatever because most people are not really, you know, smart enough to get off the grid to post something like that. Uh, Looking for the hits for their – Yeah. And it's it's all back to the the modelers or AMA members. They're not the ones that's really ever causing a problem because we kind of know better. 
it's it's the dude that just goes to the a store, you know, Best Buy or wherever, Amazon, buys yeah. a DJI whatever, and then goes and does stupid stuff. He's not even going to yeah. know to be registered or to follow the right. rules or stay under four hundred feet. So how yeah. are you going to how are you going to prevent against that guy? Because he's the exactly. one going to be causing the problems. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of My- been the argument this whole time <laughs> about this whole thing. Yeah, my dad flies models out in California, and so they have a gate that you have to get through, a chain, in order to get down to their flying field. And there's locks on the chain for, say, the city to get in or for Mm -hmm. the flyers to get in or different people to get in. Well, they've got all these locks so that you can't get in. But, you know, when somebody comes through with a, a, you know, a four-wheeler or wants to get through the gate, they just cut the chain and move through, you know. They know they got to bring a something to cut the chain with. And so all you're doing is keeping honest people yeah, honest. Just keeping the honest the people out. Right. Yep. And so I, th- I kind of view this same thing with the modelers. When they go and start to impose regulation, you're just keeping honest people honest. It's the same thing, in my opinion, with things like gun ownership and things like that. You're just keeping honest people honest. True. You know? Yep. Uh, not to go too political on it, but, you know. Yeah. No, we, we've had the discussion before on the show. Yeah couple of times about it what kind of what do the pilots think about all this because we hear reports of everything from plastic bags to office yeah. chairs to everything in between being reported yeah. as a drone sighting uh, i don't, the, I don't the, really talk to a lot of people that go and go oh i I saw a drone last week or anything like that. You know, when people find out that I fly models, they're usually excited to hear about it. Oh, I used to do that or something like that. You know, um, I, I don't hear a lot about drone sightings. If I hear more about anything that's a negative thing, like what we're talking about, it's about people getting lazed, right? Mm -hmm. Where, um, somebody's got a handheld laser Uh that they've purchased from so-and-so and and they're trying to get into a flight deck cockpit thick move though i don't even know why well uh you know beyond it just being that um you're going to jail if you get caught you're not this is a felony this is uh you know this is a serious offense right now and so um if you get caught lazing somebody and they're getting really good at catching people at it and so it's 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 a it's a more serious problem i think than the drones are right now but Mm -hmm. yeah um we never see that on the news. That happened here at Newark quite a f- uh, was a while ago that I heard about it, but it was happening at Newark yeah. for a while. I mean, you were getting guys that were that had these um, handheld lasers that looked like you know tubes. They they were like almost like rocket launchers. Wow! Uh, I yeah. had I had seen a few up close. Uh, I worked on an alarm system in a guy's house who had had a few of them, and they were they were pretty massive. I don't know they probably you know like everything else shrinking them down. But that's interesting, you know, like that they could catch those guys, you know. Yes. Like you said they're getting very yes. good at catching those guys. That's yeah. something yeah. else. Yeah. Well, they go and they, you know, they can, you know, the pilots will report the, um, the that it happened and they'll kind of give a general vicinity of where that happens at. And then yeah. their traffic controllers start moving everybody around that you know, a little hot zone right there and mm-hmm. yeah. to make sure. Because, I mean, it, it could cause temporary blindness in the flight deck and, you're flying an airplane and yeah. where's what are we doing now if nobody can see you know yeah. so yeah um, it's a pretty serious thing Jeez. you know they should send those guys to jail i mean that's just <laughs> that's just being disruptive for the no purpose that other than being disruptive 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I throwing a brick through a store window just to be a dick. I mean, there's no really useful purpose for that. I I do believe there are reports out there of people that have sustained permanent, you know, like cornea damage or retina damage from being lazed. Yeah. Oh, sure. I could see that. Well, do you have any sponsors? Wes? Uh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm on, I'm on the uh, peak aircraft team for minicopter. Oh, nice. And and so, uh, I'm a big minicopter fan. Uh, I, I really enjoy their stuff, uh, the Diablos, and then uh, uh, Futaba and Contronic. Those are kind of my yeah. other, my other two. Uh, a huge fan of the Contronic stuff as, as well as Futaba. Yeah. I've been flying Futaba since I started with the Futaba Gold back in the day. Um, you know, everybody gets a distraction and goes and tries something different on occasion. But I, I've always ended up right back with Futaba. <laughs> Within less than three months, you know, I was like, I want to uh, try the the telemetry on the Grotner and let's see how that works out. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was really cool, but, um, there were just way too many, at least for me, um, small things that just led me back to, mm-hmm. you know, this is just a better fit for me. So, yeah. Very yeah. Nice. So, nice. Excited to hear about all the cool stuff that we're going to get to see hopefully in Huntsville this weekend as well. So, yeah, I hear, um, uh, uh Fataba's going to have some announcements. So yeah. That should be cool. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that we might get to see the new MZ, but you never know. So um, just kind of hoping for that. So, Well, we talked about uh, the Diablos. Uh, what's yeah. in your fleet? Yeah. So uh, with the helicopter side, I have a Diablo Speed and a uh, Diablo Black right now. Uh, it's not actually a numbered kit. What? It's a, yeah, it's a team member kit. And so it doesn't have a number. So, okay. um, I, it used to be Richard Zapp's, Zappa's, uh, speed. And so, uh-huh. um, I got that from him. And then, um, like I said, I've got the black and I'm just, uh, trying to position myself for a nitro, you know, as soon as yeah, I can. I was going to ask. And if you're- so, uh, yeah, that. you know, I just grew up flying nitro, obviously. My first mm-hmm. helicopter was a Nexus 30, so, um, you know, that was kind of kind of where it was at. So, um, I, I just enjoy it. I, I like the, I like just the whole side of nitro, being able to just pump fuel through it and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do love the horsepower of the electric as well. So, um, so that's kind of my 3D and speed model. And then um, I've got a Quest Impaction as well, which is the, Mm-hmm. Japanese brand, um, Nick flies as well. And then, uh, uh, Dwight Schilling from Chicago flies one as well for the, uh, F3C stuff, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's a fuselage model with the Stacy fuselage on it. So, um, you can just run a regular canopy or they, they kind of have a few options for fuselages for it. So, um, and then the, that fuselage also fits more than one helicopter. So, that Stacy fuse can go on a Hrobo or go on to a, um, a quest like mine or whatever mm-hmm. brand you're wanting to fly. I think there might be some small modifications between them, but right. there's about two or three different fuselages and probably five different helicopters that you can get it to fit into. So cool. Yeah. So I've got those, that's kind of my three big helicopters right now. And then, um, 
Got one of the little QQ extras. I love that little thing. It's oh, yeah. The, four, the, the 4S version. The yeah. 300. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, those uh, things are a blast. Yeah, and then my buddy just got the cap. I've been flying his cap, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Uh, it's just got crazy power, and the flight oh, control yeah. surfaces are huge, and um, it just it does amazing pop tops and everything else. But nice. that's just a lot of fun to go play with, you know. Um, I, I had I, I had this idea when I got laid off from the airlines. I was going to start doing aerial photography mm-hmm. with a. Uh, I bought a Bergen Turbine Observer. Oh wow! And so um, I've actually still got it in my shop over there, and uh, it's it's ready-ish to fly. You know, it needs batteries, fuel line, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing mechanically unsound about it. So um, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I'm kind of thinking about uh, you know building a I don't know maybe a turbine Diablo or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. We'll just. Have to see how time goes with that. It's got a, a helicopter motor in it ready to go, so I could do something with that. Uh huh. We'll nice. see. Yeah. What size is that? Is that like an 800 something? Uh, I believe they're 860s. Are the blades yeah. on it, maybe? Yeah. Thinking it's and pretty so big. They're, yeah, they're MAH 860s. Um, all up, ready to fly. It's, you know, easily in excess of 50 pounds, probably. Um, or is capable of in excess of 50 pounds. Right. Um, and then uh, it's made for carrying a TV production camera on it. Oh, okay. So um, it's not made for like a, a GoPro or anything small like that. Because back when this was coming out, cameras were large. You know, right. so um, there's no such thing as a small, you know, quality uh, camera. So... Obviously, now everything's so much better. So. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the multi rotors have kind of taken over the yeah the camera carrying yep. stuff. So yep. And then I've got a DLG, a couple of F three uh, B sailplanes, okay. and uh, um, I've also got a F five J, which is like an electric launch mm-hmm. uh, model as well. So nice. Yeah, explore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what my fleet looks like right now, running an 18MZ for everything, the new WC one uh, with 760s or 750s for gyros and everything else, BLS 275s. I haven't gone to the new servos yet. It's just one thing at a time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're not exactly cheap, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one at a time <laughs> one at a time right yeah uh, gotta at least start with three right well so, yeah yeah i'm kind of a fan of the small fleet of helicopters you know mm-hmm. um i've had larger fleets before and it's just so much work when you want to go and put new servos and everything or you there's a oh, new yeah. fly barless you want or a new motor power system or something i mean if you have 12 helicopters you're just deflated i'm never going to put power systems in all these you know um i tend to fly one brand for a pretty long time you know um uh my history of helicopters that i've had i can run through pretty quick i was a uh an align 700 le which was a fly barred helicopter before that was a fury extreme Mm -hmm. you know and then after the align i had a goblin 770 uh, and a goblin 500 and then to the diablos so uh, i'm just i don't know i try to Find what I like, get it flying good, and keep flying mm-hmm. it rather than wrench. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's actually kind of the smart way to do it. <laughs> I just try to get yeah. one of everything so yeah. nothing ever flies the same. <laughs> yeah, and I have I no you. idea what I'm doing. I'm just trying to keep stuff out of the dirt. <laughs> I, everybody wants to keep it out of the dirt now. Come on. That's true. Yeah. 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 But I try extra hard and I still go home in pieces. <laughs> yeah. I got some really good opportunities when I was young to get to spend some time with some amazing RC pilots. And so I tried to, do, to emulate some of the things they did. And that was one of the things was kind of keep the fleet small, kind of keep it uh, focused on what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just uh, too many distractions. If you want to be serious about helicopters, do helicopters, keep the fleet small. Don't, you know, right. We hear that from the pros. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Get one, yeah. get two, if you can, three of the exact same yeah. model and just practice. Yeah. Fly, fly, yeah. fly. I like the little stuff, but um, I just, I'm, I'm kind of uh, ready to just, like you said, just focus on what I'm doing. So I'm staying with the 700s and just making that happen. So mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about competition. So yeah. you're competing in the F3C on helis. Yeah. Do you do any so, other anything else? F3N. Uh, or? I'm trying to get into F3N. Um, there's a new class that they've started for the Nats this year. Last year was the first year, and uh, it is a I can't remember what they call it exactly, but it's uh, more of like an intermediate F3N level. You know, so okay. you don't have to go in and fly against all the top pilots. Mm-hmm. And so um, the uh, known maneuvers are all for, I might say this wrong, but K factors seven or less or okay. K factors less than seven, something like that. And so mm-hmm. um, you don't have to go in and do this pirouetting globe reversal, you know, half do hickey thing. So you, you say know, we them. don't have to fly against Maxwell and Jamie <laughs> yes, Robertson. Yes, okay. you do not have to fly against Maxwell, <laughs> Jamie <laughs> Robertson, Ben Storick, right? Oh, you can fly against other humans. And so, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, at least have some level of competition that's going to go and, and, you know, lend itself. Um, I believe we're not doing a music flight right now for this as well. So right. the 3D flight is just go out there and do your thing, you know? Um, and you know, it's just trying to minimize the amount of work it is to prepare for the event, to mm-hmm. try to inspire people to get into F3N. I think you know? that's a really good idea because there's a lot yeah. of guys that are, are excellent pilots, but you know, yeah. maybe not at that very top level. Yeah. You could still be so, competitive. I'm fairly new to the competitive level. I've been doing it for about three or four years now, but um, the competitive helicopter stuff. And so my best advice to anybody doing it is, is don't try and do it too hard and get too burned out on it. You know, Mm -hmm. I started it out with it with my goblin seven seventy, and I would go and have uh, like a bank for um, or a condition for hovering and the aerobatics. And then I had a 3d condition. So I didn't have a specific helicopter just for this. So I'd go practice all my stuff and then I'd get mad and frustrated because I wasn't good at it. And I'd go, you know, beat the tar out of my helicopter. And so <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly how you get into it. And then <laughs> by, you know, after three months of doing it, I was doing, you know, six minutes of you know, precision flying in two minutes of, you know, beat the tar out of it until the battery dies, you know? And so, um, 
that was just kind of how I got maybe four minutes. Yeah. I might have run out of battery if you get too long here, but yeah. yeah, So, you know, you just kind of warm up into it. If you try and just go, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, Cause I tried to do that one time. I'm not going to lie. I went, I'm just going to, all I'm going to do is just practice this and you, mm-hmm. you just get bored with it. And mm-hmm. so um, as you get better, your desire to practice will, will continue to increase as well. So okay. you need to get help from somebody else. That's the number one thing I can tell you. It doesn't even need to be somebody that's that fantastic at it, but if they can go tell you whether or not you're over the flag or cone mm-hmm. or what you're trying to fly over, Oh, it's, it's a world of help, um, to figure out your positioning and everything like that. Cause there's a judge sitting right in front of the cone. He can see if you're eight inches off or two inches mm-hmm. off or six feet off. Oh, yeah. More than likely you're probably six feet off, but I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try to get help, help, help instead of just help. Cause <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like That's it. kind of a, a problem I have right now is I don't really have anyone around because i don't fly i fly alone here at the house so i don't know where i'm at i mean i think i'm over the cone but like you say if somebody was standing there and say dude you're eight feet past the cone yeah see my problem was i was 1800 feet away and i couldn't (laughs) see it (laughs) going in a random direction going out towards the atlantic ocean yeah i'm gonna try it i i'm Cool. I'm not super competitive and I don't really like the pressure of stuff like that, mm, but I'm okay. going to try it, you know? See. Yeah. So I am, uh, competitive. And so this kind of scratches my competitive right. side, if you will. So just go out and have yeah. fun, Andy. Cause that's the way I yeah. looked at it. Why, we yeah. I mean, to, that's uh, what I'm going to do. I, I just like to be, like I say, I'm not competitive. I don't, I'm not, one that like searches for competition, but I like to be the very best at everything I do. So mm-hmm. when I go flying I, and it looks like crap, I'm like, damn it. I just pisses me off, you know, which mm-hmm. I know I should just work harder, but I'm also lazy. So there's that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> what mm-hmm. Kevin, just being honest. No, that's cool. You're arguing with yourself though. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's what. That's my whole day, man. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're on the combine by yourself. Yeah. Who else am I going to argue with? Mm-hmm. You're one to talk. I've heard you speak for thirty minutes talking to no one. Oh, nonstop. Right. Yeah. And I was asleep <laughs> at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. So, do you still sim? I do. Yeah, I'm a real flight seven point five guy, probably on the sim. Yeah. Cool. And I just. Um, you know, it's more of an orientation thing. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go out and, um, do, um, clockwise tail down hurricanes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I'll do one pirouetting. And then I just get in the habit of going out and doing that maneuver mm-hmm. for, uh, it's a slow pirouette around the hurricane. And then all of a sudden I can't do counterclockwise anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. I've been doing that one direction so long. Right. And then right. I go, I better go get on the sim and practice this. Because uh, I'll go out there and try to do it at, you know, um, two feet going, you know, 60 miles an hour like I can clockwise. And mm-hmm. I do not need to be doing that counterclockwise right now. I can already tell you <laughs> it will not end well. So, yeah, um, you just you find those little 
areas for me that I need to clean up and try and clean those up on the sim. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's what I do. Um, we talked a little bit about your radios and stuff. Uh, yep. Do you have any other equipment you're really fond of? Chargers or? Yeah, I'm a big Rotorcraft fan of mm-hmm. Joe Cashwell. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I got one of his early uh, big uh, charge cases when he kind of uh, yeah. was getting going in it. I guess you could say the hobby, the, mm-hmm. was it? I can't remember the name of the hobby store they had, but uh, they were getting that kind of shut down and spooling up Rotorcraft and, uh, so I got one of the, I've got dual power lab or not power labs, dual eye chargers, okay. 308, 308s. I think they are in there mm-hmm. with a 2000 watt power supply. And so, um, the case oh. is just awesome. Um, it doesn't have a fancy terminator in it or anything like that, but, uh, it's cool. I like it. So yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Gets a job done. And then a Honda to power that. So 2000. I'm sure your uh, Contronic motors and ESCs. Yeah, yeah, definitely Contronic motors and ESCs, Cosmics, two hundreds, and most everything. So um, I tried flying a one sixty a little bit, and uh, it was all right. It it got a little warmer than my two hundreds do, so I went back to the two hundred. But you know, it's everybody's unique with their flying style and what motor they like. I really like the Pyro seven fifty. It's probably my go to motor. I know a lot of people are real big into the 800s and the 850s and all that. And I just, you know, um, I like the 750. I, I don't know why. Um, you know, I know Kyle doesn't, uh, listening to the BKA podcast with the, Kyle doesn't like the, what's the 4530? He likes the 4525, you know, and so mm. um, I, I'm kind of there with the Contronic motors as well. I like the 750. It's a little smaller, a little lighter. Mm-hmm. Um I can go and pull 300 amps on my cosmic log on it, and then I can still touch the motor after a flight. So, I mean, obviously it's not that hot. So, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's definitely good stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like it. It's really simple to set up, um, mm-hmm. especially some. It, it sets up a little bit different than some of the other. Uh, governors and things like that there's nothing to do and people expect to have this complicated procedure to do it but you just plug it in set your voltage whatever else you need to set in there pull count maybe um and then if you want any telemetry and that's kind of that you just go fly you know yeah there's nothing complicated to it so um, yep it just works it just works. You set a throttle curve, and that's going to be what RPM you're flying. And like you said, it just works. Uh, I really like the way the governor governs as well. That just nothing holds like the cosmic, I don't think. so. Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if everybody would remember, but uh, like I said, you were on their Urcha announcement a few months yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, so you're the secretary? Is That's that correct? correct. I'm the for, secretary. Yes. For Urcha. Yep. Uh, how did you get started with Well, Urcha? you know, it was uh, kind of a little bit of the start with the uh, um, the uh, precision flying side. And uh, most of the guys that are on the board also do precision flying as well. And so uh, we kind of also help put the Nats on in some capacity. And so uh, just kind of through getting to you know, work with those guys and then uh, a few trips to the jamboree. And I I like to participate and help and, you know, make Mm -hmm. things better for people. And so um, 
I, I kind of helped run some of the competitions and stuff like that. And they had some vacancies and needing some help for some stuff. And so they asked me to uh, be a board member. And this is one of the positions that they were looking to fill at the time and asked if I'd be interested in doing it. And I, I agreed to do it. And so, uh, yeah, so now I'm the secretary and responsible for way too much stuff. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically, registration at the Jamboree, that getting all the pilots registered and everything like that is uh, quite the undertaking. Yeah, I imagine that's a, a pretty good job. Like, yes. Yeah. Let, let, keeping everybody happy. Let's talk about that just a little yeah. bit. Sure. Since uh, RC Flight Deck is no more, yep. Uh, how how are we going to register? Yeah, so I mean, uh, there- we are excited to announce a new method to register for the Jamboree. So uh, you're going to be able to do it this year via an app. So we have an iPhone app that's uh, coming out hopefully pretty soon. What does pretty soon mean? I don't know exactly. Less than 30 weeks, 30 days rather. I would say probably within the next two weeks if I had to be honest. But we'll definitely see some announcements on Facebook about it um, and everything like that. So um, as soon as we kind of get it all finalized and everything um, worded the way we want it all worded, you guys will be able mm-hmm. to go and start pre-registering for the Jamboree next year. Okay, nice. Awesome. Yeah. We're so we really can say it will definitely be out before the 24th of July, I mean, at some point. <laughs> it will definitely be out well before the 24th of July. <laughs> okay, so I'm just, just asking. Just, just saying, yeah. So uh, we'll have that, and then um, – uh, we're going to be encouraging people to pre-register this year with mm-hmm. a, a little bit more financial incentive over what it's been in the past, um, trying to get uh, our life to be maybe made a little bit easier. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we did have to increase the prices for uh, both the pre-registration and uh, same day at the event registration. And so um, just the event being a smaller event, having less sponsors at the event. And then when we go to go buy t-shirts, for example, if we go buy a uh, thousand t-shirts, that's going to cost us X dollars, mm-hmm. right? Or if we go buy, you know, we can get a, I'm trying to say we can get a cheaper t-shirt, same shirt for less money if we buy more. And right. so with the, uh, shrink that we've seen in attendance. Uh, we've had to go and be more resourceful with what we're doing here to mm-hmm. um, make that work. So we've had to raise the rate with the sponsors and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say there's a, there's a pretty good incentive to pre-register. I'm sure yeah. uh, as far as pilots, it's, it's quite a bit cheaper. I'm yeah. sure that helps you guys out to, to yeah. be able to know who's coming. Absolutely. So uh, pre-register is going to be for someone to pre-register and be a member of Urcha. So this is including the um, renewal or to purchase a new um, Mm -hmm. Urcha uh, membership with the organization. So to register for the Jamboree and get that, you're looking at $100 for a pre-register. And then if you just do not want to be a member for some reason of the organization, um, and but you want to still come to the Jamboree 
that's fine as well. We're going to charge you $125. So, um, and then for on-site registration, uh, to become a new member or renew, um, and to come to the Jamboree, uh, on-site is going to be 125 and for non-members, it's going to be 150 Okay. So, um, it's, it's, a, a price increase from, uh, last year's, uh, Jamboree definitely. And we've mm-hmm. done our best to try to avoid doing this and to try to, um, generate income from other sources, you know, say sponsors mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, we're just at a point where, uh, we're, this is kind of the direction we've decided to go with it. So we're going to do that. And, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to do hats this year as well for $25. Uh, t-shirts are going to be 15 mm-hmm. for an extra event t-shirt. And then the meal tickets are going to be 15, um, for an extra meal ticket. And okay. then, uh, I think we're also going to try and do something for, um, uh, a, a visitor, you know, so if someone wants to come and just watch, we're going to mm-hmm. have uh, some sort of a, a package for you as well. Uh, it's going to be super reasonable, but, um, you know, a person comes to the Jamboree and uses the facility. They use the restroom. They throw trash away. They eat. They go through all that kind of stuff. Um, that that costs us more than you think it does in Porta Johns or Porta Toilets and, and all that stuff, getting those pumped out. Um, we've had our fair share of the faux pas in the past with, you know, overflowing toilets and things like that. When everybody uses the same one, you know, right? okay, (laughs) (laughs) that was a bad design. We won't do that next time. You know, Mm -hmm. shame on us for putting Mm -hmm. that there. So, um, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, there's been some growing pains in getting it all figured out and everything. But so now that we're, we're kind of there, we're ready to move on. AMA has gone and increased the price, uh, for what they're going to be charging us for trash and, and ported toilets and everything else that we're, we're currently, uh, we're spending previously. So, um, there's just nothing else we can do. We don't really generate money from somewhere. So, is it me, or does it seem like it's getting more and more difficult to work with the AMA? Just yeah, you plus. know, um, I, I, I don't want to say too much there, but uh, we need to <laughs> stay aligned. I, I think that there's a lot of really great people at the AMA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have gone and definitely faced our trials and tribulations with, with them as an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as everyone knows with our change of date and everything right. like that. Um, and so we're trying to go and get, uh, things to run a little bit more smoothly for us. And it's just going to take some time. I think, um, we've got, uh, a little bit of a guard, if you will, that we're trying to break through to make things work for us. And that's, proving to be a little bit challenging. So um, maybe we can get back to how things were one day. Um, But, uh, you know, I think the AMA does a lot of really good stuff. They've got a lot of really good people that work for them. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to, uh, to really discount that, you know, Um, I've gotten to work with and talk to and meet some of the, uh, some of the people that actually work there at the facility and, and go back in there. We sing happy birthday to them last one of them last year and everything. And we get to go meet everybody when we go through there. And so, um, 
to go in there and meet those people and and put a face to them and get to even talk to them and go and say, you know, so, hey, I, I read about this on the Internet. And they're like, well, what actually happened was, right. you know, <laughs> you get the rest of the story and you're like, well, that's not what it sounds like from what we're reading on forums or hearing on the Internet, right. you know. And right. they're like, well, you know, we're not really in a position that we just go and, um, you know, regulate the forums and tell everybody what they're doing wrong or how, how they're that's just not what they do. And so mm-hmm. it's easy to go and become a, you know, a foreign warrior and uh, sit at your keyboard and say what you want to say. And you have that right to do that. Well, no one's going to discourage you from doing that. But truth doesn't always make its way out sometimes. And there's a lot of people that speculate as to how things are, or how things work. And, you know, they might be right. More than likely, they're probably not right. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to give give them more credit for maybe almost being more organized to pull off some of the things they think AMA pulls off. And I promise they're organized, but it's, <laughs> it's not a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So some people get yeah. the truth and still don't believe it. Still exactly. Believe the complete opposite. Yeah. yeah. Did we land on the moon? You know, yeah. flat earth is flat coming earth. back. Yeah. Yes. You know, <laughs> okay. Whatever. I can't help you. Yeah. So, yeah. I've always kind of been hesitant to say too much negative about them because I know yeah. that there are good people there. Yeah. But there's also some dirty old plankers hanging around yeah. there. Yeah. Up in the upper echelon. So <laughs> I, I know I know some of that's happening too. That's true. And um, we're we're trying to maybe weed some of that out if we okay. can. You know? Um we're 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 trying to make a push for next year to maybe get somebody onto the a helicopter person into the group. Um Probably not one of us board members just to mm-hmm. go ahead and stop that rumor before it starts. None of us want to do that. <laughs> you know, yeah. we've got enough to do with the hobby already. So, but uh, to try and get somebody up there to, um, you know, be able to lobby for helicopter helicopters and maybe newer modelists. Um, and so a, a lot of those guys are, you know, um, from the, they've got some years behind them. <laughs> we'll say, you know, and and so, you know, they may not see how, you know, the hobbies evolved quite so well. So hopefully we can help them uh, mm-hmm. steer it in a, a good direction for everyone, not just for the dirty old plankers. So. I nominate Kevin. You can, <laughs> you can implement a little diversity. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're trying to get. And I think if we can get uh, uh, that to happen, we can go and get a lot of things that we see as challenges in the hobby to be less challenging for us. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our biggest well, hope from it. Is there anything that us helicopter focused pilots yeah. could do other than just get online and say F the AMA and blah, 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 <laughs> and rant rave. Cause I mean, we're really good yeah. at that. Yeah. But is there, is there yeah. anything that we could do that, that would help as far yeah. as, you know, I, I, I really, I really don't have a great answer for you on that. I wish I did, uh, but I would just say that if you know, um, I, I'm gonna mess up. I, there's a guy that's the new executive director, and I believe his name is Chad, and he's new to the position today. I mean, we got to talk to him last year a little bit, and uh, you know, he came from the, he was a a liaison for regulatory stuff and safety with the AMA before that. 
right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, you know, I asked him some questions about some things that, you know, we'd all heard about, you know, that um, uh, I don't know who it is, but there was an older British guy that did a video that was all over the internet about uh, the AMA not, you know, being in Congress to go and stand up for us and right. everything like that, you know, and that just wasn't true. You know, that guy well, just there's went a few out. Problems. That guy lives in New Zealand and yes. he's quite a bit of a dick. So, yeah. And so, it. you know, he, he can get on <laughs> I've seen him box. around. Yeah. You know, he's not even so, in America and has nothing to no, do with AMA. So. Exactly. Nothing to do with AMA, nothing to do with our country or maybe even really truly understanding how our system works, you know? Um, and so, he sure got a lot of YouTube clicks, though. Uh, he did get a lot of clicks, right? And so I, I asked about that. I didn't know any better either at the time, you know. And and I was he was sure willing to enlighten us on, you know, how that all went and, and what happened there. And so probably not a story appropriate for the podcast, but to to get to hear from him and hear his side of the story, um, it was really enlightening for me to go, you know. We are doing the right thing here. It's just um, the optics don't always point that way. You know, Um, the AMA is an older organization as far as the age of it. And so, um, you know, they're not really out to defend themselves. And so if they don't defend themselves, nobody will. And so um, I think that's probably the right attitude to have for them. But, you know, sometimes they're going to take some bad press for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we just get frustrated. I mean, I yep. I do it too. I get frustrated with everything and feel like the AMA's maybe not, maybe doesn't have our best interest at heart. You know, maybe they you. do. It just doesn't appear that way sometimes. Yep. I, I understand how it can come off like that, but I, I think they, I think they deep down, they really do. And so, yep. um, they have limited resources just like we do, you know, so. Right. Right. Yeah. Any other news uh, you want to address about the Jamboree before we move uh, on? You know, just I know that uh, not everyone's probably going to love our, our price increase. We're still uh, uh, probably, I'm going to say, significantly less than what it costs to, ta- to go to somewhere like Joe Nall, you know, mm-hmm. um, any of the other similar events that are uh, similar in size and feature to what we do are going to be quite a bit more expensive than what we do. And so um, this is just uh, the only way we can continue to go and produce the way that we produce and, um, and keep it moving, you know, and I, I think that a lot of people were, you know, felt challenged last year when we made a lot of changes to the Jamboree last year. And then they went and experienced and they're like, this was great, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, we'd like to keep making it great again. And so, I think it's good that you guys came out with it this far in advance and said, here, these are the prices. This is what it's going to be. I don't think it's yeah. uh, unreasonable. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think so either. Well, when you um, when you look at it, it's a four-day, I mean, really yep. five or six if you want it to be. Four but it's event. at least a four-day yeah. event. It's going to include the prices for pre-registration and registration at the event. Will it include a T-shirt, you know, mm-hmm. for the event? Um, and so there's just all that stuff. Always that a really nice, uh, dinner on Saturday. Yeah. Night. Really nice dinner on Saturday night. It's been, uh, Texas roadhouse the last, I think two years maybe. Oh, man. And uh, yeah. And so, um, I think it's probably going to be another Texas roadhouse. I think this year, oh. 
you know, it will be something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Though. It won't yeah, be I think it was stuff. Outback one year, yeah. Texas Roadhouse yeah. one year. Yeah. I mean, it's it always It won't be good. Costco hot dogs or something like that, so I promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, well, uh, as far as I know, we all are going to be there. I know awesome. I will be. Well, um, I'm excited for it. I, I enjoy the event. Um, I tend to I enjoy it, yeah. So nice. I'm going to make Kevin go. I'm going to be there. Good. Dude, I already got the, the plane tickets are booked. And I know. I'm just aggravating you. You are aggravating me. I know. Do you, do you have a plan for a hotel yet, Kevin? Um, yeah, it's I'm, called Andy's Camper. It's going to be Andy's okay. Camper? Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. Okay. I'm just going to tell you, and everyone knows this has been before, if you're planning to stay at a hotel, book your hotel reservation right now. Or when the jamboree comes, it's probably not going to be a lot of space in -hmm. hotels. There's other towns that people have to go stay in to get a hotel room or stay at the field. So if you're, if you're a hotel person, you know, Muncie's big enough, more than big enough for this size of an event, but um, do not discount yourself that, um, well, we might have a, uh, pilot count that is X amount of pilots. There's still a lot of people that come with all the vendors that come with all the food vendors that come with all that support equipment to put this on that, right. um, you know, take up space. So well, right. I, I had a thought about that. The last couple of years, uh, the dates have always coincided with the big convention in Muncie. That was like yeah. a, a brass band thing or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By moving the dates, you think there could be more, hotels and stuff or will it just be something else happening that week you know i i don't uh i don't know <laughs> That's there, there may be question. more rooms available for a less cost there, is what i'm thinking well possibly. there may be but um may not i i hate to get too far into it here but it sounds like the rocketry people uh that are oh, the reason good. we moved our dates well they're after us oh yeah they're after yeah so they'll be so um i think that they're going to probably start coming early. in buff yeah early exactly so yeah. if they start coming in early that's going to go and change uh well you know, book your room now book your room go now. ahead do it I almost did not get a room last year because I waited too long and we had reserved rooms already reserved. And then I went to go put my name on mine and it was gone. So, and, uh, there there's, I know at least one hotel will give you a special rate. If you mention AMA and, and while you're there, it's a discount rate. So it never hurts to ask. Mm, I agreed. Very cool. Yeah. Well, are we ready for the top 10 shotgun round? Sure. I'm ready. Are you ready? You ready? I'm ready. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready now. All right. You're going to go, go first, first or second? <laughs> I, I can go first, I guess. Okay. Okay, Wes. Pinch or yep. thumb? Ah, pinch. Okay. Nitro or electric? Probably got to still say electric. I don't have that Diablo Nitro yet. I might change my tune after I get it, but I'll stay with electric. Okay. 500 and below or 550 and bigger? Definitely bigger. 700, I would say. Uh, do you know? Well, you know what a fly bar is because you said you were working yeah. on one. Uh, when's yeah. the last time you flew, flew a fly barred heli? 
I don't know, probably two or three years ago, I had, I've got a friend that had an Excel 60 with a fly bar that I think I flew maybe two years ago or so. Nice. Yeah. Sport or 3D? Uh, 3D. Okay. Uh, strap or strapless? Yeah, so I've been strapped forever, and I'm trying to move towards the strapless, but I'm, hmm. I'm, I get kind of scared sometimes. He's so waning I, off the strap. Kind of trying to wean off the strap, yeah. I go back and forth with it, but I'm trying to get to strapless. So. Uh, cordless or brushless servos? Uh, definitely brushless, yeah. Definitely brushless. I have not been a fan of the feel of the cordless. I know that I've heard Bert talk about him. He loves the feel of the cordless. I'm the complete opposite. Okay. Uh, fuselage style or pod and boom style? Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to, can I say both? Cause I, I love the Diablo oh. pod and boom and the, in the F3C. I love the fuselage. So you can um, say both. Yeah. <laughs> Low or high head speed. Uh, probably high head speed. Yeah. Okay. Steve would say nice. <laughs> uh, and this, well, I, how can I ask this question? You Andy? can ask it. It's all right. Urcha or smaller events? I'm going to have to say the larger events, you know. Um, I'll, I, I, obviously, I like Urcha. But, um, <laughs> I thought he was going to say the opposite because he has to work too damn hard at Urcha. I definitely do it's have more to work fun at smaller events. At the smaller events, or <laughs> work hard at Urcha. But, you know, like uh, Huntsville is coming up next week, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited for that. That's the perfect size event, I think, uh, for uh, going out and having a good time. Um, you know, I go to some smaller events throughout the year as well. And some of them have gotten a little small for, you know, um, it's just kind of a core group of people and I enjoy spending time with them as well. But, um, I'd like to get to interact with some other people as well sometimes. So. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. News and announcements. Okay, man. Moving on to news and announcements. <laughs> All right. What do you got, dude? Utaba 32MZ. I got a little bit of info here. Awesome. Okay. Nick said it will not be $5,000. <laughs> and he right. laughed. So I'll, I'll laugh at that, too. So how much is it? <laughs> I don't know. He oh. said it would be reasonable. Okay. Reasonable. So does mm-hmm. that mean Futaba reasonable, or does that <laughs> mean reasonable reasonable? Just asking. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> And it also said that it has uh, potless gimbals. So I assume mm-hmm. it's got Hall Effect gimbals, probably, most likely. Sounds like it. And I really don't know much else about it. Maybe it's we'll got get the two screens, stuff. it looks like, in the picture. Oh, right yeah, two screens. A, I, I did remember that. I so your telemetry stuff can put on the top. And yeah. Programming yeah. strap will be on the bottom. Yeah, that's so that'll cool. be neat. And then I, I, the 32, I think it's going to be 32 channels by the name. And so mm-hmm. I think that's probably targeted more at the jet crowd, you know, mm-hmm. that, that need that many channels. Cause you can chew up a lot in a hurry. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a hundred dollars a channel. $3,200. That 5, sounds about dollars. right. <laughs> or maybe 50 bucks a channel. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Should, should we take guesses? I have no, I, I, I don't know. I'm gonna say twenty five hundred bucks. I don't. I guess I'll stick with thirty two hundred. Thirty two hundred. If I can, if if I can have a guess, I would just gonna say under Andy's number. <laughs> twenty four ninety nine. 
<laughs> that's still under, but <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be that salty, but we'll, well see. How much is, uh, let's see, what's the top of, what's the 18? 18 MC. MC is the, yeah. the top one, right? Yep. So how much is it? Uh, I'm looking at now. You know, I, I like the way this looks. Like You think of a transmitter and how long they've been around. What, what else yeah. can they do? This thing really looks pretty nice, man. It, it yeah, looks it sleek looks really- for having two screens. It really looks, mm-hmm. you know, smaller. I really don't know why they all everybody doesn't put their screen on the top. On the top. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. For so it, it looks like it's about 20. Is this right? 24.99? 25.89? I think that's what it is. Okay. I was thinking it was rather somewhere around there. Very cool. Well, yeah. speaking of Futaba, I just uh, Nick Maxwell did a live video on Facebook. Everyone should check out, and he was uh, describing a new feature for the the new servos, the HPS H seven hundred, the HPS HC seven hundred. When used with the CGY seven sixty, they have a new update where you can change your cyclic servos to a 760 center pulse yeah. that's very interesting so yeah uh, we all, he goes we through and kind of explains the advantages and, and stuff of this but that's really cool yeah yeah i need to watch that because i don't know what you're talking about yeah when you know how, what? you know how your tail servo is a 760 center pulse oh, okay kevin yeah you can use that on by by updating the servos and updating the gyro the cgy 760 you can make your cyclic servos 760 and it doesn't really increase the speed of the servo but it lets it um get more commands so it can Mm -hmm. the gyro can update the servo faster and correct quicker Ah, i see okay Mm -hmm. that makes any sense yeah Nick had some uh, graphs and stuff that explained <laughs> it. Very neat. I need to go watch that video, but yeah. And yeah, you know, the, the 760 functionality has been in the 760 unit for, I think, a little while now. Um, mm-hmm. Since it came out, they, they had that option in there. And we were all kind of hinting at him, like, you know, so there's a 760 cyclic servo. You know, <laughs> when you went through the functions, you, you could choose that. And so we were all kind of curious, uh, you know, this must mean this is coming then, you know. Right. Yeah. So, because yeah, the, the Flywireless cool. has supported it for quite a while. So, I'm, I'm sure um, other brands will probably follow suit. Um, yeah. Nick was, was saying how that it definitely makes a difference and you will definitely be able to feel it. Yeah, like it's noticeable. I've watched him fly a helicopter with those servos with that pulse width, and it is impressive. Um, if you watch him fly both helicopters back to back with his flying style, you can see a difference between the two. I think. Really? Yeah. Well, that'd so. be impressive because I watch him fly any old crappy <laughs> helicopter, and it looks like a machine's doing yeah. it. So I know, right? It's it's pretty impressive. I watched him in Birmingham, and I'm just scratching my head and walk away. Yeah. Oh. That was cool. Yeah, that's one of the problems with coming to Urcha, though, Kevin. I'm going to warn you. You're going to watch all these people, and you're going to go, all right, my turn. You know, and walk up there and go, uh-huh. Kevin's going to be like, <laughs> Kevin's gonna be like, screw these. I'm going to get a crawler. Yeah, but no. Yeah. 
No, <laughs> don't be intimidated by it. Come out, have fun, fly. Nah. It's just like any other event. So yeah, I've been wanna... to a ton of events. I just I, I enjoy having a good time. I actually enjoy yeah. talking to people and you know people I know haven't seen in a while. Yeah, it's cool. It'll be it'll be cool. Yeah, there'll yep. be tons of people you know. All yep. the the guys from around. It, it's always fun. Yeah. So what else we got, Andy? Well, we got uh, a little update from the XL Power taking over the Protos ordeal thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they've got an updated, they call it the XL Power Protos 380. So looks like they've made a few little updates and changes to the Protos 380. And I don't know exactly what they did. They said they made it lighter. I don't know how. It was already pretty light. Fly better and much lower cost than before. Weaker tail boom to save the mainframe when crash. I don't really like that they added tail boom supports. There's a post on Facebook from MS Haley. That was one of the best things about the Protos 380 was no boom supports. So I don't really know why you would go back to those. Um, looks like they moved the tail servo mounting up onto the boom, which that's fine. Hmm. Care for the, I mean, I, I don't mind that. Um, so I don't know. Oh, it says a 14 millimeter boom instead of an 18. I guess they hmm. made it smaller and, and added boom supports. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens there. I did see another post that they're working on pros 380 parts, uh, first, and then uh, the 700 parts will be coming after that. It might just gotcha. be easier to get that diameter. You, you never know. Like, yeah, it's been maybe. a bit weird. I mean, if you crash, if you crash just right, you could break the the frame on the uh, back. Okay. Like I crashed mine over a dozen times and only broke frames once, and the frames are super cheap and easy to replace. So that whole thing, I got a little bit blown out of proportion like it wasn't yes it was a weak point but it really wasn't that bad yeah so maybe they're trying to address that but adding the boom supports is kind of sucks uh msi in one of the comments says uh or or ms heli says uh the old protos 380 frames were cracked because the only thing holding the boom assembly was the main plate which bent easily uh so maybe that's a reason for changing it but yeah. hey, dude, how can you complain when somebody's <laughs> taking it over, man? And you know, oh no, I'm I'm you can't I'm really complain about it because yeah. they're building parts and stuff. That's that's this, great. They're they're going to keep the normal parts coming. This is just another model, basically. Yeah. So that's you can great. still get parts for like the ones I have. That's excellent. Yeah. Because I've I've yet to own I've yet to own one of those, but I've yet to meet somebody who did own a Protos and, and didn't like it. Everybody I've met that has one loves it, man. Yeah, and I've talked about it before. I was kind of hesitant on the whole XL Power thing when it first came out. I was like, well, we'll just kind of see. I don't know. But after getting to really look at the 700 at Birmingham, uh, look a couple of them over really good. I mean, it's it's got some good good features. It's lightweight. It seems pretty strong. I like the way they do their bearings. So, I mean, they... It could be on the making some neat stuff. Cool. Mm-hmm. I changed my mind when I got to look at them. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty neat machine. Yeah. And I also saw on Facebook uh, some more pictures of the Oxy Five coming. 
Mm-hmm. Which looks pretty interesting. Because, yeah. Uh, there's some activity as for pre-ordering it, too, if you want to. Yeah, I noticed that it uh, looks like they're finally putting a spindle that's bigger than a pencil lead in here. <laughs> it's got a, basically a 600 size head. With uh, I forgot the actual diameter of the spindle and stuff, but it looks nice. It looks uh, well-sized and like it should hold up a lot yeah. better. Cool, so man. This, this model is going to be really neat. I think the pre-orders are open now. And right. was it supposed to come out the end of May, middle of May, end of May? Something yeah. Like that. I think end of May. So, shouldn't be too long. It looks cool. I'm excited to see. I heard somewhere that it's going to have a four point four or something tail ratio, which is freaking good. Well, you know, um, I'm feeling like Steve this year, man, because I'm going to probably pick one of those up. And take the, what I got in the 550 and throw it in that and see how that works. Maybe go back and forth a little bit. But yeah, uh, I definitely just got that up 550. Have you even flown it? I flew it a few times. The the tail, I I get a tail wobble that's bad. And dude, oh, yeah. I've <laughs> taken this thing apart and it's so it's so smooth. You would swear you're not moving anything. Like I've got hmm. it down to where it's. I'll bring it. Uh, well, well, you're not gonna. You might not be at spring flame, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, dude, like how smooth the tail is. And I don't know. I think I'm going to re, I'm going to maybe start over with the. Yeah, I don't know what it could possibly be. That's so weird. You've checked all the thrust bearings and stuff in the tail grips. Yeah. All that stuff's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that, weird. That Oxy 5 looked pretty neat at Urcha last year. They had one mm-hmm. at the Jamboree, oh, right. I think. Yep. And uh, it was. It's was, it's was pretty cool looking. It's hard for me to like. Wow, it's just amazing that it's a year already because I can remember Devin and McToon going down there, mm-hmm. and that's where Devin met Luca yep. and got yep. sponsored yep. as a pilot for for Oxy um, or mm-hmm. when he was flying the Oxy Four there mm-hmm. for Lynx. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just man, crazy how time flies. Oh yep. yeah, it is. Yeah, it's uh, uh, mini or full size servos. And 500 all the way up to, I think, 580, 575, 580. Yeah, I've been hearing rumors 570-ish. Yeah, so basically a 500 to 570. I think it'll go just a fuzz over that. (laughs) But that's that's cool. It's making it versatile, different booms, you know. And then you can super stretch it to 700, right? Isn't that what everybody cool kids do these days? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe take two of the booms together. <laughs> That's what Chris Robert does. He's very cool. Yeah. He's a lot cooler yeah. than I am. I can't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, definitely cool. Yeah. So uh, the- one other thing we got for an announcement is we put a post on Facebook and also on the flight test forum. Asking for uh, questions. Give us some questions and we'll answer them on the show in a couple of weeks. Yeah, this is in lieu of us setting up the Facebook Live thing we were going to do that we haven't done yet. Yeah. Cool. I think uh, so. Yeah, ask us your questions. Post up some questions. We'll answer them. As far as I'm concerned, no questions off the table. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know about these guys, but we're pretty good at coming up with an answer. Yeah, I mean... 
any you can ask me anything. I'm not giving you my social security number or my address, but <laughs> I think I wrote uh ask us anything, but you might not like the answer we yeah, get. Exactly. <laughs> nice. So yeah. Anybody yeah. go check that out, Facebook or the flight test forum. It's two yeah. places you can find that. I was gonna say earlier we were talking about the app that we're coming out with to be able to register on. It's gonna have a lot of cool features in it as well that are kind of unique you'll have a head speed calculator in there to be able to figure out gear ratios everything like that for an electric or a nitro model and then um there's a a converter to be able to convert you know somebody goes and tells you oh it's 300 grams and i'm like i have no idea what 300 grams is give me a give me american you know so right um i know weighs 4.7 kilo (laughs) (laughs) cool what you know, so yeah, um, there's going to be a converter in there that'll put grams. It'll tell you kilos. It'll tell you pounds. It'll tell you ounces with just one, uh, with one increment. Um, there's going to be a pitch gauge in it as well, where you can, uh, use your phone as a pitch gauge. Oh, that's Um, pretty neat. Yeah. 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 And so that's going to be really neat. It's, we're starting off with a native Apple app, and then it will be available eventually for Android as well. Um, but you'll be able to register for the event via the website or the app. So, um, you don't have to be an Apple person to, (laughs) to do this. It's just the app was created first for Apple. And then, um, once we get it all completely done, done, we'll, uh, be able to um, get it switched over and coded for Android as well. So, Uh uh, yeah, so it'll have a a bunch of cool features like that. It's got a a cool, bright color. Um, I would encourage you that when it asks you about push notifications to maybe, maybe say yes, if you don't mind, we're going to try and do push notifications uh, during the event. Um, Oh, cool. To be able to get some, you know, word out there about things going on at different pilot stations or things like that. So um, rather than having to yell at people through a loudspeaker or whatever, we might yeah. you know, use some push notifications through your device and through the app. That's so. 21st century. That's great. Right? That's yeah. Cool. Trying like to, we're trying to, you know, come up with a way to, you know, make this, you know, cool for everybody for the next, next, you know, level. So, yeah. Um, there's a lot of, there's a game in it as well. Flappy Heli, if anybody's familiar with that. Um, and, uh, it's, um, you can fly your Mostro through some, uh, uh, a maze and then, uh, get a high score and you'll be able to submit it to the app store for, uh, what do they call it? Game center, excuse me, to the mm-hmm. game center and compare your high score against other, uh, you know, other players as well. So. You know, if yeah. you think you can break a thousand in it, that's that's what I want to see is a thousand. You know, that'll be good to give to your kids when they're annoying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yep. And so, um, it's uh, it's high head speed too. So we'll see see what <laughs> nice. I mean when we get to play it. So, <laughs> but anyway, it, it's it's pretty awesome. So awesome. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that almost wraps it up, huh? I think so. Let's talk about what's next. What's next for you in the hobby, Kevin? I'm going to go flying this weekend. I know I said that last episode, but uh, this weekend actually looks like it's going to be really nice. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get out there. I got to fix my um, my nitro starter and uh, get it ready because I'm going to bring that Glogo out for a few more flights. 
Hell yeah. Nice. How's that flying? Pretty good? Yeah, it's good. I mean, um, I've only got a couple of break-in flights on it, mm-hmm. and uh, I like it, though. I mean, I, I really do like it. It's uh, pretty amazing how light it is, and, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't go crazy with the motor or anything. It's something I had, um, yeah. but uh, it's going to be great for me. I, I really enjoyed flying the 700 that I flew. It just was getting aged, and uh, I was having some mm-hmm. issues with stuff not lining up correctly, and then this came along, so... It's uh, cool. been pretty you, cool, and it was it was great to do it, like from the ground up, you know, so I could yeah. learn things. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it flies like your six ninety? Like, can you tell it's similar, just a different power plant, or does it feel like a completely different helicopter? Um, I really can't tell. Yeah, I mean the the couple of flights I had, it definitely did seem yeah. like the six ninety in certain mm-hmm. aspects. Yeah, uh, but this has the um. Uh, what is it? The the VTX blades on it. Okay, mm-hmm. it's different blades. Which are gonna yeah. Be, yeah, they're going to be That's crazy true. as it is, and, and it's even lighter, you know. So, mm-hmm. and I had zeals on my six ninety for a long time, and I think I moved to switch. Uh, now, cool. um, and I do like the switch blades; they're not bad at all. They're definitely different than the zeals. I mean, I was only flying the zeals because, uh, you know, they're cheap and sure. Um. But they they lasted for a long time. They were starting to fade, actually, mm-hmm. uh, until, mm-hmm. until I plowed it in. But that's it for me, man. What are you going to be up to? Well, I'm going to install those bearings and probably try to maiden this 600 for Derek and get that back to him. Cool. I want to put a, a f- few tanks through it to break in the ring and stuff. Yeah. I'm going to try to fly a little bit more and then try to start getting out at least once a week and doing a couple of the practice flights for the the competition stuff oh boy i'm gonna try i mean we're starting cool. to plant crops and stuff here in the next week or so so it means a lot of long days yeah but sometimes i can get out early while the ground's drying out or something what are you uh what are you planting uh we've got corn and soybeans okay cool yep and I've uh, started thinking about getting some equipment for a new 700. Ooh, so, really? Order some servos and motor and all that good stuff. For a crack Maybe in yeah. Diablo Nitro? No. No, no cracking in your future? No, no cracking. <laughs> I'm not cracking to get a cracking just yet. Okay. I hear you. But I do have one picked out, so I'll reveal Sweet. that in a few weeks. Nice. Keeping it secret. See, now, I'm <laughs> not going to be like Steve and be like, what is it? Huh? 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 <laughs> None yet? Because I've already forgotten <laughs> now. Uh, just I don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, I forgot, too. <laughs> what was it? Uh, your nitro, your nice. new 700. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Wes? Going to... Huntsville. I'm gonna go to Huntsville. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to go do that. And then uh, awesome. I, I'm not sure what I'm doing after that. I think we might have a, a contest coming up in early June, maybe for uh, F3C stuff, or maybe late May. I don't think it's even scheduled yet. And then there's Monty's okay. event, and uh, I might try to make it out there to Monty's event. Okay, um, that'd be cool. But uh, I'm. Definitely, I'll be at Urcha. I'm going to try and go to the F3C Worlds in Germany. Oh, wow. I don't don't know if that's going to work out. Um, But uh, Chris Diamante's going. Um, 
I think Jamie, Ben Stork, and Nick are going. And mm-hmm. so, and then um, there's the guy, Mike, from Houston that's going. And so, um, yeah, so I'd, I'd like to go just support those guys and go um, help the team and do what I can to yeah. to call and, and, and mm-hmm. be there to help. You know, I mean, it, it takes an army to make all that stuff happen, whether it's mm-hmm. a 3D flight, a music flight. You got to have somebody there to help you. So, right. um, you know, you kind of you get out there. It's world level competition, you know, so. It's hard to get out there. I have the ability to travel for a, a pretty reasonable rate. I can mm-hmm. get to Germany pretty easily. So um, yeah, I was going to ask you if uh, yeah. FedEx goes to Germany, don't they? Can you hit we do. Yeah, I can. I can <laughs> ride from Memphis straight to yeah. Germany, actually. So yeah, see? There you uh, go. not nonstop there. No excuses. So. No excuses. That's what kind of makes it appealing. So uh, just. Go. It's just really neat to be able to do that nonstop. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, Andy. Before you just made me think of another question before we let Wes go. Uh, is it possible for me to box myself up and send myself? <laughs> I've seen would, videos on YouTube, and I think they're BS. I would not recommend it. I would definitely not recommend it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I've seen the way they handle boxes. I don't think you could survive. I'm going to say that we're pretty nice to That's boxes. That's the UPS guy. For, yeah, it's a UPS guy. We're the – yeah. So, um, But, uh, you know, they, they do a good job, but I think we do a better job. So, um, you know, uh, we're the world on time. You know, I've got a friend that uh, coaches soccer for my daughter, and uh, – He's always late, and I he works at UPS, and I just go, "Hey, man, <laughs> <laughs> the world on time, Purple Promise, come on now, you know." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, so I give him a if, pretty hard time about that, but yeah, cool. There's what about ten thousand reasons you would not want to try that. I would say, and <laughs> getting hurt would be the leading reason. Okay. Uh, not to mention. Uh, not to mention Bl- possible suffocation or death. Suffocation, or legal ramifications. Death. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah. But there have been times when, you know, I mean, I don't know. What would you think if you were a crew member and somebody comes out of a box? You know? That oh. sounds like a oh, that's just security a problem. It's just a Tuesday. <laughs> Let's just shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, uh, you know, although you don't want to do that on a plane. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You probably don't want to come out of a box in an airplane and commit a crew member. I don't think that would yeah. be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Definitely so, not. If, oh, I was going to say there's a small possibility. I'll make it to Huntsville. All right. Uh, one of my well, buddies, Ray, Mr. Ray Bacon from yeah. Knoxville is going. Gotcha. So, eh, I mean, probably not, but I might try to get down there. It's only like gotcha. four hours from me, so it's not too yeah. bad. No, it's not bad. And, you know, if, if you'd like to come try Diablo, I'll let you let you fly my black and see what you think. That that rigid rotor head will be attractive to you, I promise. It flies uh, unlike, I'm sure. Unlike anything I've ever flown before, and I think it's just, it is 100% the way to go for me anyway, you yeah. know, so. No, um, they're nice a, birds. I've got some friends yeah. that have, have a few, yeah. and they're definitely on my uh, want list for sure. Cool, cool. 
So, well, should we wrap it up? Yeah, sure. Let's wrap it up. Do uh, we want to ask Wes if anybody wants to get a hold of you for any reason? Ask any questions? Do you want to give out any contact yeah. information? Sure. So, um, for Urcha stuff, uh, wes.minear, W-E-S dot M-I-N-E-A-R at urcha.org. And that will uh, find its way via email to me or uh, I'm on Facebook as well. So uh, feel free to send me a Facebook friend request. Um, if you have something RC related in your picture, I'll probably accept the friend request. But <laughs> Uh, not gonna lie i don't just accept every friend request that comes through so um if it looks a little sketchy you might not <laughs> it sounds terrible but um <laughs> you know i my wife posts family pictures and tags us and i just you know yeah try to keep it pg-13 at least you know yeah don't be a creep <laughs> don't be a creep exactly <laughs> so but if you got any kind of official questions, the RJ email definitely works. Uh, it comes to my phone. Or if you send us a, a Facebook message to the Urcha uh, Facebook page, 90% of the time, I'm probably the one that replies. Uh, right. Dan Lucente replies to Facebook messages as well. And <clears throat> we can get you sorted out, fixed up with uh, whatever you need to uh, to get it to work. If you have any questions about the registration process, once it gets out and you're confused with something, just ask, please. We'll be glad to clarify it any way we can. Um, I promise if you have a question, there's probably five other people that have questions too. So, um, if you ask, we can go and, you know, maybe demystify, uh, something that could be confusing for someone since we're using a new process this year. So, Okay. Awesome. I actually have a quick question I just thought of. Shoot, shoot. Will the app be the only way to pre-register? No. So the the app will just take you to a, uh, a, a basically the web URL where you'll be okay. able to register. And okay. So, uh, so you could do it from a computer. If you'll be able to do it from a computer. Yeah, we'll have. Living in the yeah. Stone Age. And There's going to be a, a new website that comes with the new app as well. Okay. And so um, we've had some IT problems, like I kind of discussed there with our mm-hmm. uh, current page. And so um, okay. when we when once we get this going, everything will get integrated into it. But it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg. Well, you got to stop one to start the other, and then you can integrate everything to work. But you can't integrate things to work at the same time while they're both running. You know. Mm-hmm. And right. so uh, once we get the new one up and running, then we can go and start getting all the old stuff patched back into it and uh, polished back up to where everyone wants it to be at. So, oh. um, But you'll be able to register right there via the uh, – it'll be all over Facebook the best I can get it there for okay. everyone to be able to um, reach out and do that. So we're going to – we've got a lot of new plans for – 2019 with uh, some new programs that we're trying to launch and so um, we're thinking about doing um, uh, some a way to help uh, people publicize their events as well via the app and and um, you know coming out with a calendar for events and things like that so okay. uh, you know we're really trying to go and come up with a I don't want to say a replacement for RC flight tech because that is 100% not what we're trying to do. I don't want to take responsibility for your event registration, if you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. um, we definitely like to help publicize your event, get you more people to your event, and uh, and do what we can do to help you. Or 
for the user to, you know, help you be able to find more events around you. Cause that can be hard to do sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if, you know, you're, I know that people are creating some spreadsheets now and trying to get that stuff put out there. Shannon's doing a good job of that. I know. So, mm-hmm. um, but if we can just, you know, the more places the information is, I think the easier it'll be for everyone. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. We're going to save all the, uh, Facebook comments and, all that stuff for Steve, right? Since he makes you, yeah. you do it when he's when you're gone. Well, okay. he, I don't want to read uh, his Facebook comments or the or the um, pod <laughs> comments. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to save Gray Eagle Junior comment for him to read. He does such a good job. But dude, yeah. I gotta say we have some iTunes reviews. And I want to thank you guys that just uh, gave some reviews. So uh, oh, awesome. We're gonna read them on the next episode because I don't Excellent. want Steve to miss those either. Yeah, it wouldn't be cool. wouldn't be apples and bananas. Mm-mm. Apples yeah. and bananas. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> so drop us an iTunes review, and we'll read it on the next episode. You can email us at freefallrc at gmail dot com. Like us on Facebook, or should I say, like us on Facebook uh, at facebook dot com slash freefallrc podcast. Check out our web page, freefallrcpodcast dot show. Say hi to Chris. Hi, Chris. And uh, you can also say hi to Dave, who's on the pod, the, the, the flight test forums, which is under Off the Field Audio and Video Production, other than Flight Test Podcast, Free Fall RC Podcast, uh, next to the FT Community Cast. Pat Mike. Right. I'm going to put you on Maybe. a spot this time, dude, because <laughs> I usually do this. Uh, and check out our fellow podcasters, the RC Heli Hooligans. Walt Ned. Who are doing a great job. Uh, yeah. Yep. Telerotor podcast. Mike, Mike, and Mike. Shaggy. There you go. <laughs> the RC After Hours podcast. Chris, Mike, and Andre. Yep. Um, the BK podcast. Bert and Kyle. BKRC podcast. Uh, the RC Roundtable podcast. It's Terry and Lee. And the Flight Test podcast. Mike, Mike, and Mike. Which I haven't heard anything lately, even though uh, I know they had I Ben know. Harper on not too long ago. And man, dude, Ben is just on another level with the phone board, man. She's yeah, the jets he makes. It's just it's amazing. Unbelievable. And uh, I just want to wish Bill a happy birthday and tell him everybody to go check out the Bill and YouTube channel. Yep. Uh, Subscribe to hit the notification bell, blah, 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 all that crap. After you watch it, you'll feel like one or two watching Bill and. Uh, so so west want to thank you again for coming on the show man yeah man absolutely thank you discussion i i'd love to hear more about the uh yeah the simulator stuff and i just uh thanks thanks for all my stupid questions west thank you so much yeah no problem guys just yeah me again if you want to do it and we'll talk about something different or whatever so okay Yeah, yeah thank you thanks no problem do you want to say the final words then, Andy? I'll do it. Thanks to all our listeners. Free our skies, and we'll see you next time. Okay. See ya. Bye-bye. See ya. I got to ask all those questions, the Hollywood-type questions. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I mean, if you come up with a list of questions, you know, we could do a like, Q&A style if you want to, you know, um, about like- whether airline stuff or aerodynamic stuff or I was watching Con Air and they hit the (laughs) thing yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) you know so you just very Um, cool awesome there's all kinds of sim stuff check it out yeah 
Imagine if Steve had been here. We'd have talked a lot longer. Jeez. 247. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, sorry so, about that, Wes. We're having technical good. difficulties. It's all good. It's all good. The difficulties I'm, are I'm too stupid to work Scott. It's okay. Uh, I, it seemed like um, Steve ha- like added me like three days before to try and get it all figured out last time. Yeah, well, know? Steve usually does all the adding. and. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Kevin does all the editing, and I just sit here like an idiot. I, so. That sounds like the easy job. <laughs> and I don't want to ask Steve how to do it because he'll yell at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then you'll do it what, wrong. Don't you know how to do that? He'll remind me yeah. how much of an idiot I actually am. <laughs> well, well, are we ready to start? I'm ready. I'm ready if yep. you're ready. I'm recording. Okay. okay. All right. Let's see. You're going to take the reins, as they say in Tennessee? Uh, uh, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> So I got to do that. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> uh, just don't start. Uh, okay. Oh, no, it's... it's uh, uh, that kills me, dude. It kills me because four years ago, whenever we started this podcast, he was only doing one thing. Now he like, picked up a tick every year. 